you've got that massive historic PFL versus Bellator card. It is a big one. It's a pay-per-view. It's PFL champs versus Bellator champs and PFL stars versus Bellator stars. Historical night. First time in MMA history that a place like this is hosting Saudi Arabia, a big MMA card. It's, in fact, the first major MMA event to take place in Saudi Arabia and the first cross-promotional event between both PFL and Bellator with former champions and current champions colliding in one epic night. The headliner, like I said earlier, is Henan La Problema Fejera going up against Ryan Bader. They go toe-to-toe in a fight that I think will determine who Francis Ngannou will fight in his PFL debut. That's the plan. And I wouldn't be surprised if they announce that that seems to be the direction. So stay tuned. Also, as we said earlier, Johnny Eblen against Impa Kasangane. They did save Patricio Pitbull. He's going to remain on the card. Aaron Pico as well. Clarissa Shields on the card. Yoel Romero. Um, Tiago Santos. Whole bunch of big names. It's all going down. This Saturday, February 24th, live on ESPN Plus Pay-Per-View and DAZN. That's ESPN Plus Pay-Per-View or DAZN. It's the Mixed Martial Arts Hour with... The Mixed Martial Arts Hour is back in your life. On this Monday, August 23rd, 2021. Hello again, everyone. Hope you're doing well. Welcome back to the program. Hope you're safe and sound. If you're living in the Northeast, there was a quasi-tropical storm slash hurricane brewing over the back end of the weekend. So hopefully everyone is safe and sound, doing well. I have a lot to talk about today with a lot of very interesting people. I am back from Las Vegas. I was there over the weekend. First time in Sin City in over 17 months. It was a very weird experience, but it was good to be back. And who to thunk it, I'd be back not for a mixed martial arts event, but for WWE SummerSlam. I hope you enjoyed the coverage. A lot of great stuff for BT Sport. Got to talk to a lot of interesting people who are all big MMA fans. That was the coolest part about the whole experience for me. Uh, a lot of them, you know, had heard of the show being back, my work at other places. It was, uh, it was nice. I felt, I felt the welcome. I felt it in my heart. I felt, uh, I felt loved. I felt like they welcomed me with open arms. And so I hope to do more of that. And don't worry, everyone gets all hot under the collar. Not everyone. Some people get hot under the collar when we talk about pro wrestling or when there's, God forbid, pro wrestling on my feet. Don't worry. It's primarily a pro wrestling free zone here on this program. Although I got to say there's going to be a couple of guests later on. We might dabble in it. I just got to say. I will say, though, any young journalists out there, if you're a pro wrestling fan, I'll say this. Covering my first wrestling event, if you will, uh, for the first time in person as a journalist, it, it, it felt to me like 2007, 2006, 2008 UFC. And what I mean by that is it felt like the lane is wide open for one, two, three, four, five young journalists to come in and, and seriously cover this sport, form of entertainment, whatever you want to call it, in a good, honest, and professional way. 
there's not a ton of media there. And I know the history with WWE and media. I, of course, I'm not blind to it. I, uh, I certainly have heard the stories. This is my first time, but you know, I know the, um, the, the, the history and the connections to say the way other MMA promotions, boxing promotions, uh, treat media. But I'll just say that business has never been more interesting, at least in the last 20 or so years with the rise of AEW, CM Punk coming back on Friday, Brock Lesnar coming back on Saturday at SummerSlam. And there's just interesting characters with interesting stories. So all I'm saying to a young journalist out there, if you are a wrestling fan, this I, I would say is a really good time. It's a really interesting time. MMA, of course, it's still not at its peak in terms of, you know, um, enough journalists covering it. But, you know, they're, they're back in 2008 MMA days, if you ask me. So it was, uh, it was a great experience. I enjoyed it. A lot going on in the world of combat, a ton going on in the world of combat between all the wrestling stuff, MMA, UFC having the event on Saturday at the Apex. Jared Cannonier defeating Kelvin Gaslam. In the, uh, in the main event, five-round fight, Cannoneer looking good. I have to say, I, I liked the Apex at the beginning. It was nice. It was quaint. It was, uh, it was intimate. Small cage. You can hear the chatter. You can hear the corner. You can hear the fighters. Kind of over the Apex at this point, I have to say. I, I just feel like it's very... It almost feels like... I don't want to say formulaic, but it just feels very similar week to week. Now, what it does do is when there's the pay-per-view, that feels even more special than in the past. And it's smart on the UFC's part, of course. They're saving a ton of money. It's, it's brilliant. You don't have to go to Greenville, South Carolina and do all the marketing and sell the tickets and try to build a card based on that market. No, you just pump them out. Boom, 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 boom. But if you look at it, main events are good and then they get a little weaker as the card goes down. And, you know, it's a lot of younger guys or gals, a lot of contender series guys or gals. And I just feel like those events are now starting to look the same. Don't get me started on it going past 1 a.m. Felt like the old FS1 days. It was because it was on linear TV as well, meaning ESPN, ESPN2, not just ESPN Plus here in America. But I just, I'm hoping that in 2022, I'm hearing rumblings that they've re-upped that hotel. Uh, they've pretty much taken over a hotel next to the Apex. The whole thing, I mean, there's, who cares about what I feel? There's really no reason to leave this model. They're making a ton of money. It's smart. But I'm just saying as a viewer, it's starting to feel like the same thing each and every night, or I should say each and every Saturday, as far as the viewing experience is concerned. The fights are always going to be different. But with the uniform and the venue and everything, feels a little bit like deja vu. And so I'm hoping for more events outside of the Apex. Nevertheless, a great card with a lot of great finishes. We have a great show for all of you. Remember, twice a week now, Monday, Wednesday. Thank you to everyone who's downloading, who's subscribing, who's reviewing, who's uh, leaving comments. Number four on Spotify. Can we get to number one this week? Top 10 on Apple. Let's go. Big numbers on YouTube. They said we were dead. They said they had killed us off. Look at us now, stronger and better than ever. I can't wait. Great show planned for everyone. We've got Kevin Lee joining us. He's fighting this Saturday in Las Vegas. Was supposed to fight earlier in the month. Uh, injured his ribs, so he'll be back this Saturday. Another fight night event. Interesting main event. Giga Chikaze against one Edson Barbosa. Who's looked really good at 145. Three o'clock, we're going to be joined by Tyron Woodley. Tyron Woodley, yes, the Tyron Woodley, the chosen one who meets Jake Paul this Sunday Showtime pay-per-view, August 29th, Cleveland, Ohio. Did you hear the news that a certain nose is going to be a part of the broadcast team doing post-fight interviews as well in the ring? 
for the very first time. I mean, if that's not worth 60 bucks, I don't know what is. Talk more about that later. Uh, we're going to be joined by Alistair Overeem. He might be making a big announcement at two o'clock, so stay tuned for that. Gable Steveson, the Olympic gold medalist, going to be joining us at around 1.30. This guy is all over the place. I mean, one of the great free agency tours of all time. But first, let us go to the Zoom machine and say hello to our very first guest of the day. Uh, he is the aforementioned Jared Cannonier, the killer gorilla himself, who was victorious on Saturday night. Great fight against Kelvin Gaslam. He won via decision, went five rounds with big Kevin, Kelvin Gaslam. He is kind enough to join us now via the magic of Zoom. There he is. Still, uh, still, you know, look at that face. I mean, it's perfect. No marks on your face. Five rounds with Kelvin. Oh, right there. Okay. I mean, yeah. I, I, 25 minutes with Kelvin Gaslam and you walk away with just that. That's a pretty good night. Yes, it was. It was a hard fought, hard fought night. You know, it was a lot of uh, the game plan work. As you guys can see, I'm not as uh, beaten up as uh, most of Kelvin's opponents are after their uh, excursions with him. But uh, you know, I came out with my with my wounds. You know, I got some lacerations inside of my mouth. Ooh. You know, that's annoying whenever I try to eat something. My shin, my my left right foot is kind of sore from kicking him in the elbows. But um. Yeah, man, I got a good little scratch on here. I'm going to have to start telling those guys to put a lot more grease on my face because they didn't put no grease right there on that part of my face. It what happened? Like, hey, long long nails or what? what? What's going on? How did you get the scratch? I don't know. Um, I do remember uh, catching a thumb. I think it was in the fourth or fifth round. Um, I don't know if that scratch. I think somebody, I think uh, one of the commentary mentioned I was cut before that. I don't know if that's the one they were speaking on. But, you know, I, I did have some, uh, you know, some damage uh occurred throughout the fight you know towards the middle of the fight so i didn't come out completely unscathed but i okay. am uh i did uh, avoid like serious injury so i don't have to sit on the sideline again i'm done with that stuff um and i'm ready to get back to work a lot to talk to you about um by the way uh, you mentioned the uh the cuts inside your mouth like i know when i get like a little canker sore you bite your lip that bothers me for weeks. I mean, it's the most annoying thing when you does that happen a lot? Do you get a lot of cuts inside like in your back lip there when you're fighting? Does that is that a common thing? It only happens when sparring. You know, uh you get punched in the mouth and the guard doesn't really uh cushion the, you know, uh what's the word? Protect, protect? the lips, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. from mess up, you know, it's supposed to just protect that gum line so your teeth aren't just falling right out. Um <clears throat> You know, it happens. It's pretty common, and and it's common when you train too. Even in jujitsu or wrestling, you know, you may end up biting your lip or, you know, biting your tongue or biting your cheek. You know what I'm saying? You don't want to yeah. do that, but you know, it happens. It is the worst. Um, what about going five rounds? Uh, I do believe. Correct me if I'm wrong. You did go five full rounds back in I think 2014 when you were fighting in Alaska, um, but you weren't fighting at 185 back then. You were a bigger boy back then. What did it feel like yeah. in the UFC against a top-level guy like Kelvin going 25 minutes? Especially considering the layoff, you hadn't fought for around 10 months. Absolutely. Um, coming back from injury, yeah, I felt I felt good. You know, I was in good shape. My, I'm, one, my cardio was always on point. I'm never going to go into a fight and get tired to the point where I can't fight back or defend myself. So, um, you know, I felt good. I was able to uh, keep up with Kelvin, you know what I'm saying, and, and you know, bring the fight to him as he brought the fight to me. Um, of course, it's tiring, especially at, at, the, at that pace. Um, but I wasn't exhausted. You know, I felt good. I was ready to keep going. And um, 
yeah, I just felt good, you know. It's good to be back. That's for dang. That's for damn sure. Man, you hit him with some big shots. At any point, are you thinking like, what do I have to do to actually put this guy away? I mean, he's got a big head. He's a strong guy. He's got a great chin. He's been there with some of the best. But you hit him with some big shots, Jared. Were you thinking that to yourself at any point? No, no, I wasn't getting discouraged. You know, I was just trying to fight the man, find that, trying to find that right opening. You know, um, hindsight's always twenty twenty. As I go back and watch the fight, I see so many of those openings, and uh, you know, like ah, oh, ah, oh, how come I did? Why didn't I? You know, so. Uh, I guess it's part of the process of growth, if you will. Uh, you said the game plan worked. What was the game plan? To not stand in front of him uh-huh. and let him throw those big left hands or that mm-hmm. big left leg that, you know, we've seen him put people away with. Um, you know, he hit me a few times, you know, uh, but, uh, yeah, it wasn't a flawless victory, you know. So, uh, <clears throat> but, you know, I got the win either way. So I'm happy with that. You're happy with that. You should be happy with that. I was just being a, a nitpicker before talking about the apex. I'm tired of the apex. I want the, the events to feel big again. I want, the, I want the crowd. I want it to look like it's in a different location. What about you? What was it like being at the apex? Well, it being my first time at the yeah. apex, I thought it was pretty nice. You okay. know, they had the, uh, the warm-up area, had more mat space, and then like a room with just two mats glued together. So whole mat area, they had bags, they had a whole... Uh, slew of workout equipment if I chose to work uh, to get, you know, a good warm-up on. You know, I did a, a nice brisk walk on that, uh, on the treadmill out there. Um, <clears throat> hit the bags a little bit. Um, it's right there. You know, you walk right out of the area. It's close. You know, everything is right there, you know, where you need it. It's probably so more it convenient nice. for you guys, right? Like the hotel's right there. There's no nonsense. Yeah. Like you got all that equipment. I would imagine other than the fans and maybe the smaller cage, you'd probably prefer it, right? If you're fighting once, twice a year there. You know, I prefer convenience, yeah. you know. Uh, so, yeah, once or twice a year. And then, a play, and then of course, go somewhere else. You know, I would like to fight in front of a big old crowd on the pay-per-view as well. So um, we'll see what happens in the future. I'm sure that's going to happen eventually, but yeah. No one talks about the smaller cage anymore. Did you notice a difference? Because when you were in Abu Dhabi with Robert, it was the bigger cage, right? Yeah. I did notice, uh, you know, but Kelvin, he pressures his fighters. So of course footwork was uh was <clears throat> what's the word? It was of course our path, my path to victory. I've always had good footwork, I've always implemented it uh when needed. And it was definitely needed more against an opponent like Kelvin because he comes forward, he moves in, gets close and try to throw those big shots. So that was the game plan, implement more of my footwork. Um and uh, you know, I think it played against my power, my, uh, sort, I guess, sort of the uh, image of me being a big power striker and stuff like that, because I was trying to move and stay in range to, to counterattack. And, but, um, you know, I guess there's something I have to work on staying, moving just out of the way, maybe a little bit more, a few more inches. It was a game of inches that day, that night. So l- let's take a step back here. Uh, last time we saw you prior to Saturday, Robert Whitaker fight, Abu Dhabi, big time fight, potential number one contender fight. You, you don't get the W. You also break your hand, correct? Yeah, I broke the ulna in my left arm. Oh, damn. That's the, that's the scar? Yeah, that's it. Holy smokes. That's from like your wrist to your almost your elbow there. Yeah, right here. Yeah, dang. So the first one was smaller than that. The first one was a little bit smaller, like this, about this big. Okay. You know, and the plate was small. And then it was declared a non-union. So that means the bone didn't heal back together. So they had to go back in take all of it out. They uh, did a swab and found that it had like staff in there. Oh no. Um, yeah. 
and uh, and they put in a bigger rod, did a bone graft from the bone that had grew in around and on on the bone because it was growing, but it just wasn't filling in. So they did a bone graft and gave me a bone stimulator. Started all over back in February. Um, <clears throat> physical therapy was a lot easier the second time through because of the, all the strength training and the uh, rehabbing of the arm we had did prior. It uh, I guess. Uh, facilitated a, a more successful healing or recovery at this time. First surgery so, was when, and, and when was second surgery? The first surgery was the 30th of October. Okay. And the second one was the 20-something, the 24th, I believe, of February. Oh, wow. So you're already almost like four months in. Was that, you know, was that kind of a strain on your mind to have to go under the knife? You're, you're thinking you're getting better, getting better, and now you got to start from scratch, essentially. Yeah, when I was going on a night, that was the time I was expecting to be back in the octagon, you right. know, or at least in camp getting ready for a contender site. But uh, it didn't happen. You know, you know, fate decided that, hey, man, we may need to sit, sit, put you on ice a little bit longer, you know, but um, it's all good. Uh, I'm over that. I'm past that. You know, the pec injury, this arm injury that lost to Robert, I'm past that. I'm back in the win column. I'm back on the road to uh, to that title, and I'm I'm injury free right now. So good. Um, I'm trying to stay that way. You know, you went 25 minutes in, in the fight. Are you thinking like, please? You know, like, are you thinking at all about the hand, about not re-injuring it? Was it on your mind at all? No. Uh, of course, that's what physical therapy. That's what the physical therapy is for. So when I come back to do my job, it's not. I'm not going to be thinking I'm like I can't do this. I can't do that with my hand. I can do anything with this hand. I can, you know, punch. I can block. I can handstand on it and stuff like that. So I, I've been lifting weights with it. Um, and it's only going to get stronger. So I'm the hand, my arm is good to go. After the fight, one of the first things that you said on the mic to Daniel Cormier, which obviously drew a lot of headlines, was uh, you want to get back in there because, as you put it, you're broke. How, how, how dire is this situation? I mean, it's not dire. It's just a natural occurrence, if you will, you know, uh, of course, coming off of the injury and, you know, I'm not balling out of control or anything like that, you know? And, uh, a lot of people don't understand that <clears throat> when we have these fights that we owe people money after these fights, you know? So, um, after this, win, 60% of my money is already gone between the gym, between management, between taxes on top of that, I got bills, credit cards, uh, I got kids. I have a house up in Alaska. I got a house here. I got car payments. That money goes. Money don't last forever. And uh, right now, fighting is our only revenue. I don't have sponsors or anything like that. I ain't got nobody. Uh, you know, fighting is my only focus. I'm not out here doing commercials or anything like that, you know. Nobody's asking me to be in the next Marvel movie. <laughs> so, uh, you know, uh, and not not being able to fight for the last 10 months, you know, put a strain on our pockets. So um, I'm glad to have gotten back in there. I'm glad that I get two checks plus that main event bonus. Um, and I'm glad I'm not injured so I can do it again. I don't need a, like a super quick turnaround, but, um, you know, the division is moving on. We got big fights coming up this weekend. And, uh, you know, and I'm ready to go. So, you know, I'm not, you know, everybody's saying, you know, the UFC needs to pay its fighters. In my situation, when I quit my job, I was able to get paid from the UFC to sustain myself. You know, so I'm not here to say the UFC isn't paying me because I'm getting paid pretty good from the UFC. It's just that, 
money don't last forever. You know what I'm saying? Um, I'm not here balling out of control. I'm not splurging or anything like that. You know, I'm not stupid. I don't spend my money on dumb stuff, but um, it's just life, I guess. I do want, I mean, I would like to get paid. I am a high level, elite level athlete. I would like to get paid like elite level athletes, like the ones in the NFL and the NBA and the, the ones who are playing baseball and soccer and doing all that stuff. You know, they, they get sponsors, but they get, you know, they don't need sponsors. All they need is that, that check from the, uh, that three-letter organization. So that's what we need here in the UFC. That's who, that's who we're all like, you know? So, uh, yeah. I want to I want to preface my next question with this because a lot of sensitive people out there would be like, oh, here's Ariel stirring the pot. No, this is not me stirring the pot. This is me talking to a high level, I think top three ranked middleweight in the world in the number one MMA organization who just fought on ESPN in the main event and won that fight who might be one win away from fighting for the belt. That's why people have big eyes when they hear something like this because you said the word sustain. You, the point of all of this isn't to just get by and sustain you're a professional athlete the point of all of this is prize fighting the point of all of this is to get money and to be set for life when you're done fighting not to just skirt by so that you have to find another job when you retire and so that's why yeah. i think you have a lot of people speaking on your behalf a lot of fans saying yo this isn't right and so i want to ask you about the sponsor thing as well why no sponsors how no sponsors i know you can't wear them in the cage but like you got Instagram, you got, to, and I noticed you didn't use it a lot for this fight. You used it a lot for the last fight, but you didn't, but you could get paid off that too, right? No, no one knocking on your door? No, man, nobody. I mean, I probably got people in my DMs, but nothing like, uh, no big checks, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I ain't trying to collect, you know, pennies from here, pennies from there. And I got to work for 10 different people just to get enough to, pay you know what i'm saying my house bill for the month no that ain't no i ain't trying no i'm not working for pennies I, like you said i'm a high level athlete who just did all that stuff you just said you know what i'm saying i should have i should have six figures in my account that i don't even need to touch you're absolutely right about that i shouldn't have to worry about man if i get injured and i can't fight anymore what the hell am i gonna do and unfortunately that is a situation that a lot of us fighters are in that i'm in myself you know what i'm saying my wife is 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 getting ready to get up and go to work you know what i'm saying that which is against what we the structure that we have as a family, you know what I'm saying? We, I, she's doing, she has does so much here at the house, maintaining the home, taking care of the kids, you know what I'm saying? Making sure everything is where it needs to be, so I can go and do my thing, and I have to worry about everything else is going on. But uh, I don't know. Um, <laughs> I'm not gonna say. Well, yeah, yeah, whatever, man. Uh, like I said. It's a three-letter. It's a three-letter organization. The biggest one. It's definitely it has to be well over four point whatever billion it sold four years ago. So um, we should be getting paid a little bit more. Yeah, absolutely. Um, over the past ten months, did you have to go get another job while you were on the sidelines? I mean, my wife started training to start working. Okay. You know, so she she's doing the intern part right now. She, she's she's working without getting paid, but she's on a full time schedule. So I'm having to, you know, take the kids to school, bring the kids home, help with homework until she gets off. And hopefully I can go to train tonight and tomorrow, you know, at nights. But I can't, like, go to pro practice because I pick my kids up at 3, 3.15. And it's usually the lines wrong. It's a line at the schools and stuff to pick up the kids. So you don't get out of it until, like, 4. You know, practice starts at 3, ends at 4.30. So this shit, you know, the lack of money is definitely cutting in on my training time. 
So uh, that's and that's what it was when I worked in for the FAA. I had to go over there and work ten hours, and it was cutting on my training time. So not the same position, but you know, which I'm still, you know, it's still a fight to get out of that. You know, financial liberty is what we all want. You know, I don't want to be stuck in this uh, in this matrix. You know, where we have to work for money. When you know, my mom is sixty. My mom is damn near seven years old. You know, she shouldn't be working, but she is. My mom needs to retire. You know, so. Uh, we got, you know, I got, you know, she got, we have, I got little brothers and sisters at home, you know, we got a butt, we got a house, I got a house for the kids, you know what I'm saying, that are looking at me, you know what I'm saying, looking at the other men in my family, you know, and uh, not looking at me, but you know what I'm saying, that are looking at my mama to take care of them. You know, I got young kids in my mouth, in my mama's house. Of course, I got young kids myself, and I want to look after my entire family, you know what I'm saying, my mom, again, my mama needs to retire, so uh I've been, that was been one of my first things that I, that I, uh, one of the first goals that I had when I got in the UFC was to make it so she can do that. So, uh, yeah, I would, <laughs> I would like that to happen real soon. Six and a half years in the UFC. Does it bum you out? Do you ever have a moment where you're like, I'm six and a half years in, what happens when this is over and there's not a lot to show for it? Do you, do you get worried about that? No, I'm not concerned to myself with, what hasn't happened or, you know what I'm saying? Um, at heart, you know, I'm a hustler. I can make stuff happen. I can go anywhere and do anything I want to and make money if I need it. Um, I choose to do this because I enjoy it. And, you know, I again, I had a six-figure job before I quit and, and, joined, and came to UFC full-time. So I'm capable of doing just about anything I want to. All I got to do is put my mind to it, put my hand to it, and make it happen. Um, I'm also surrounded by people who can do that. My wife is that type of person. My family, we look, we care, we look after each other, we we take care of each other. So I'm not saying that I'm um that um <clears throat> what the word out on the limb or anything like that, you know, because I I got people who I can rely on, thankfully for that. But um I, I want to make it on my own dime. You know what I'm saying? I should be able to do that. And which is what I'm doing in the UFC. Uh so, yeah, you know, uh, bigger fights should definitely mean bigger paychecks. I have to say, and again, I know there are going to be people, because trust me, I, I've heard it all at this point. There's going to be people saying that I'm just trying to stir the pot here. This bums me out. This depresses me to hear you talk like this because you deserve, <laughs> I mean, you, you go in there and you walk into a cage with all due respect to some of the other athletes and what they do and the kind of risks that they have to take versus the kind of risks that you guys have to take, what you do for a living. It's It's just... When you see and hear how the sausage is made, it's a bummer. It's a bummer because you deserve – at the very least, the, the show-win model to me is so outdated and archaic. Like you walk into a main event on ESPN for the UFC, you deserve guaranteed pay. Like it's not like, oh, I hope you get a finish and you can uh, you know, do something spectacular to get on SportsCenter and then we'll give you double your pay. No, you should get that double pay up front if you ask me. But you know, I know I'm kind of preaching to the choir here and I hope you know that – not only from me, but from the, the, the fans as well who've been speaking about this for the past 24 hours, like they want to see you guys get paid. They want you to be making millions of dollars. They want you to make what boxers are making for the most part, who are main eventing shows on ESPN. And so I hope it yeah. changes. And maybe it changes with the next fight. You know, you get a big fight against maybe a Darren Tiller or Derek Brunson. And then the next one I would imagine is a title fight, right? Like in my mind, yeah. given the fact that Izzy and Robert aren't fighting for the rest of the year, you're probably one fight away from fighting for the belt. Do you view it the same way? I do. I absolutely do. Um, and like I said, in the octagon, I'm not trying to wait 
until after them to see if I can step right in line. So uh, we'll see what happens next week with Tillman Brunson. I hear rumors that Costa and, and Vittori are going to be thrown down. Yes. Um, so those are a few names that, you know, that you know, we can line up to give me my contenders fight and uh, give me another check. And, um, yeah, again, I'm not complaining. It's the, it's the UFC pay structure. We signed our contracts. Sure. Um, but, yes, I, I do want a bigger check, but I don't want to be like these guys you see in the NFL with, you know, I'm not, I'm not one of those guys that be going out stunting on people and flossing and, and spurging like that, you know. Um, there's b- bigger and better things I can be doing with my money, you know what I'm saying? There's land that needs to be bought because there's other people buying up all the land and they don't care about us. So um, there's land that needs to be bought. There are specific businesses that need to be open, holistic businesses that need to be uh, catered to, if you will. And um, and I want to open up a gym my damn self, you know what I'm saying? Uh, I want to open up a gym in Dallas, actually, because uh, I didn't have that opportunity growing up as a child, and uh, I don't see any uh, martial arts being given to the people in the area with, where I grew up. So I want to bring martial arts to Oak Cliff, that, Oak Cliff Texas, right there, uh, Polk Street, Camp Wisdom, Wheatland, you know what I'm saying? Uh, I want to bring high-level mixed martial arts there and because uh, there's a lot of potential. You know, there's a lot of people... A lot of people, young people in there. It's a lot of potential for greatness out of that city, man. So um, right now, the city only caters to the main three ball games, sports, baseball, football, and basketball. And, uh, you know, uh, we need to bring martial arts. You know, I think martial arts brings a lot, brings a different element of, uh, of uh, what's the word, of, athlete, of athletics to, uh, to the world, if you will. 37, Jared. How many more years do you want to do this for? As long as I can go, man. I love what I'm doing. I'm having fun doing it. I'm capable. I'm able. I'm, um, you know what I'm saying? I'm, my body is able to do it at a high level. So uh, I want to do it as long as I can. You know, I want to be 40, 50 years old even, you know, holding that belt. <laughs> However long it takes me to get 16 of those red red, uh, red diamonds on that belt. That's right. And, and I want to say something, if I can, if you don't mind, to the MMA media, because I know that people will write about this, and you have to listen to what Jared just said there. I'm happy, I wanna keep going. So I respect you tremendously for speaking up and for saying, I want more, I think I deserve more, but you're not coming across, at least to me, as someone who is ungrateful or disgruntled, you're just telling it yeah. like it is. And so I don't want you yeah. to get in trouble. You know, I, I know the way the game is played. You get in trouble, this and that. I have a lot of respect for you for telling it like it is, for just telling the truth, for not sugarcoating, but also at the same time saying, I'm happy and I want to keep going and I have great dreams and aspirations in this sport. So I think it's important when people write about this and what you're saying, because not everyone has the courage that you do to say, and I don't even, it's crazy to even attach the word courage to it, but let's be honest, that's the landscape. It's important to add that you are also still happy and, and grateful for the situation that you are in. I hope I'm not putting words in your mouth there, but that's my read on the situation. No, you're absolutely right. I'm, I've never been happy. This is the best job I've ever had in my life. Um, um, I think the UFC takes very good care of its athletes. Um, they make sure we have everything we need, especially during fight week. Um, and, uh, you know, who does, who else, who else, you know, who doesn't want to fight? Like you said, it's the premier organization for mixed martial arts in the world. Um, they're doing, we're, you know, being a, I'm, I'm part of history in that regard. And um, 
Again, I'm grateful and I'm blessed to be a part of this organization. Yes, I do want more money, you know. <laughs> uh, you know, I don't want to, I would like one fight to be able to hold me up for at least two years, not one, mm-hmm. you know, and then off of that, you know, we, and then we just we build off of that, you know what I'm saying? So, um, but yeah, uh, I'm not one to, anyway, yeah. Yeah, That's no, I feel, I feel you, Jared. Well, um, it's very clear that you are a top contender in the UFC. Izzy himself has talked about wanting to fight you and uh, and also wanting to um, test himself against you, feeling like you are a, a rightful contender. You're back. Big win over a guy that took him to very deep waters. Wasn't the same kind of fight. I know Styles make fights, but I think you maybe get the winner of Brunson versus Till. And uh, and then we take it from there and see where you go and and, and probably get the winner of the uh, the Whitaker Israel Adesanya fight. Congratulations! Welcome back. Great performance. Thank you for speaking the truth. Thank you for being honest. And thank you as always for coming on, Jared. I appreciate it. Thank you. I'm always ever honest. You know what I'm saying? I'm never going to hide my truth for anybody, even if they think it's wrong or right or whatever. It's my truth, so that's what it is. Um, all I can do is just try to present it to the world if I want to, as best as as best and as articulate as I can. You know what I'm saying? Um, I'm just transmitting energy. You know, this is just how I feel about the situation. I do want more money, but I'm happy. Uh, I'm happy with the check I got yesterday or was it Saturday night? Yeah. You know, um, I'm content with it. You know, it's, it's enough to get me and my family by. And uh, on to the next one. Amen. Talk to you soon, Jared. Congrats. Thank you, Eric. All right, there he is, the killer gorilla himself, Jared Cannonier, speaking facts, F-A-X or T-S, as the kids say, more the former. We love our friends over at Factor. I've told you about our friends over at Factor. They are great people and support for today's program comes from Factor. So what exactly is Factor? Okay, let me tell you. Having trouble finding the time to eat better or maybe getting decision fatigue, picking out the right foods, Factor's ready-to-eat meals can make the whole thing easy by delivering pre-prepared, chef-crafted, and dietitian approved meals right to your door. Whether you're on a keto diet, a vegan diet, or just trying to keep track of calories, Factor has over 35 different options a week to choose from, catered to your needs. Plus, their meals are ready in just two minutes. Just two freaking minutes so you don't need to worry about cooking. In addition to ready-to-eat meals, they have cold-pressed juices, smoothies, energy bites, my favorite, extra protein, veggie sides, and a whole lot more. You can head to factormeals.com slash MMAHour50. That's factormeals.com slash MMAHour50 and use the code MMAHour50. That's MMAHour50 to get 50% off your first box and two free wellness shots per box while subscription is active. That's code MMAR50 at factormeals.com slash MMAR50 to get, once again, 50% off your first box and two free wellness shots per box while subscription is active. Thank you very much to our good friends over at Factor for their support. Thank you to DraftKings as well for their support than the latter i feel like i feel like these days i have to preface that we saw it with misha tate a few days ago as well where people are talking about saw it with surreal gun and look i mean they don't have to speak like this it's a it's a it's a privilege to get them to speak like this and to be 
honest and open with us like this. But we also, as media, don't want them to not speak like this. So, you know, it's important to tell the whole story. This, to me, is disappointing. It's upsetting. Am I blind to it? No. Am I surprised by it? No. I feel like it's becoming a trend. We need to get to a point where main eventers on ESPN or Showtime or any other network, we need to get to the point where they are making big-time dollars. Jared Cannonier, top three, should be making big-time dollars. At this point, six and a half years in the game. Should be making guaranteed money. I tell you, someone who's uh, about to make big-time dollars, I tell you, someone who is playing this game like a violin. I mean, it has been a while since we've seen someone play the field quite like this, and I'm enjoying it. Every single picture, every single tweet, every single Instagram post brings a bigger smile to my face than the previous one. This man needs to get paid. This man is on the verge of getting paid. This man has had a tremendous summer. I have dubbed it the Summer of Gable because he won Olympic gold in Tokyo just a few weeks ago. He's a national champion from the University of Minnesota. He's an All-American, multiple-time All-American as well. He is one of the bright young stars, not only in the world of wrestling, but about to become a bright young star in the world of combat sports. Where is he off to? We'll ask him some of that and a whole lot more. Right now, it is an honor to have the hottest free agent in combat sports join us right now via the magic of Zoom, the one and only Gable Dan Stevenson joins us right now. How are you, my friend? Good to have you on. Man, I appreciate you having me on. I'm doing fantastic. How you doing? I'm doing great. I see that smile. You are doing such a great job, Gable. Golly. Is this all you? Is someone helping you behind the scenes here? Because what you are doing, every moment I see, you're at Bellator. Yeah, and I'm going to talk about every single stop. But this is fantastic <clears throat> stuff. Who's guiding you throughout this process, Gable? I'm guiding myself. Uh, I decided to take it in my own hands to go out there and meet these people myself. And And like you said... It puts a smile on my face and it puts a smile on your face. And that's good. And I'm glad you're paying attention. Oh, I am paying attention. I love it. I love you playing them all like a fiddle. It's great. Let me ask you this. Can you go on this tour? Because people were talking about you before. I mean, national champion, you know, you were worthy of all the praise. But does this tour happen the way in which it is happening with the kind of buzz that you are generating if you don't win gold? If you get silver in Tokyo, can you still do this in your opinion? Or did you need the gold to do all of this? I feel like in my own minds, I need that gold medal. That gold medal opened the opened the world to me. Open it opened the world for me to see, you know. And I feel like a silver medal is still a great accomplishment, but people respect that gold medal. You know, guys still talk about Kurt Angle winning a gold medal with a broken neck. And so that 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 moment of me in that 13 seconds from silver to gold is is was game changing for me. Leading into the Olympics, you have guys like DC, Daniel Cormier, and Chelsea. They're all talking you up. They're all, I mean, they're all huge wrestling guys, but they're all saying this is the next big thing, not only in pro wrestling, but in fighting, etc. There's pressure going into the Olympics, you know, if you're Joe Schmo from <laughs> Kazakhstan, let alone you and everyone talking about you. Did you feel an immense amount of pressure in Tokyo because of all the hype surrounding you and because of what people were saying could come next if you do win gold? Uh, yeah, a lot of pressure came about with that. Um, like you, like you mentioned, there's guys like like DC Jones and and so many other people reaching out and posting tweets that Gable's gonna tech fall his way through the the Olympic Games and uh, the pressure was there. Am I used to it? Yes. Have I been in spots like that before? Of course. And so being able to to take their words and make them a reality and me winning that gold medal, it 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 skyrocketed through. But the pressure was there. But 
you know, pressure makes diamonds. And so that's how I think of it. Do you have any recollection? I'm sure you've been asked this before, but I'm dying to know. You mentioned those 13 seconds. It looked insurmountable. I mean, what were you down? Five points at that point, right? I was down three. Three points. Okay. Uh, Insurmountable stuff. What are you thinking in that moment? Like, did you think, obviously you didn't think it was over because you pulled it off, but are you like, what is it? Do you have any recollection of what is going on in your head? I mean, this is one of the all-time great finishes and I'll, I'll be honest, I'm no wrestling historian. I haven't followed it as much as I do MMA, of course, but that was special. And I saw people who I respect very much tell me, I mean, DC's calling me like, like a kid in a candy store. Like, did you see what he just did? It's freaking 7 a.m. over here in the States. He's freaking out. What is going on in your, in your mind? Do you have any recollection? <laughs> Uh, going on through that match was just like emotional roller coaster. You know, I was winning 4-0, then all of a sudden I'm losing 8-5 to five with 13 seconds left. And so that last 13 seconds was probably just straight hard. It was do or die. Um, three weeks in Tokyo, I can't leave with a second place. I need to leave with a gold medal. It was just straight pure heart. And me realizing that he was he was hurting at, at the end of the match too. And so, you know, every time we, we talk about smelling blood in the middle of a fire middle of a match, and that means like, if, if a shark smells blood, that means someone's near and he's, he's at his breaking point. And I, I smelled the blood right there. And I knew that at that point, just don't give up and secure these last two takedowns because the first one he gave up really easy and I sensed it and I smelled the blood. And right after that, I went straight for the last one and 0.2 seconds left, scored a gold medal. Uh, perhaps you didn't want to script it this way, but this only just adds to the buzz, right? It adds to the the great story of Gable Stevenson. Like it, it just was so perfect. If someone was scripting this, say a pro wrestling company, they couldn't have scripted it any better. Maybe you're doing it with a broken neck, but no one wants you to have a broken neck. So this was just perfect for you. And so I'm wondering, you mentioned those three weeks in Tokyo. Mentally, how straining was it? Because I know they had you guys under pretty strict rules. How difficult was it to not really get to experience the Olympics because of COVID? Uh, very difficult. We we got to a place called Nakatsugawa. The people there treat us phenomenally, like really, really good. And so we only had a one hour of outside time a day. And that was from 6.30 a.m. to 7.30 a.m. Wow. After that, we went to practice. We we ate lunch and all that. Went to practice again at probably at three and then went back to our rooms, turned on movies and stuff and repeated that for about two weeks. And when we got to Tokyo, we weren't allowed to stay in the village because of the COVID and USC wrestling wanted us to exclude from that spot. So being over there, it was mentally, I would say it was mentally draining at some points because, you know, days get long when you're repeating the same process every day. Sure. And I don't have my normal normal routine at home. I don't have my Xbox and stuff that I can like sit down. I don't have my regular weight room. So I was just going off what I had and it was it was exhausting. But, you know, at the end of the day, I came back what I needed and that's all I, that's all I came there for. Is there a part of you that is sort of feeling like you were robbed of the great Olympic experience or do you not care? I don't really care. I feel like um, my great experience was winning the gold medal yeah. coming back. That's what I went there for, and that's all I needed. At what point, how old are you, Gable, when you are starting to think of these plans? Like, oh, I'm going to go to college, D1. I'm going to win a national championship. I'm going to get an Olympic gold. I'm going to go. Like, when did you start putting together this blueprint? I started putting that, that blueprint together probably um, going into college. You know, I, I, I won four state titles in the high school. But when you get to college, that all changed because you're wrestling grown men. At the heavyweight stage, guys are really old. They're, they're matured quicker. So when I, when, I, when I got to college, I made, like, the, the goals of winning four national titles. And obviously, I only have one at this point because COVID and I lost my freshman year. So being able to readjust after losing and having that learning experience and then coming to, to 2020, COVID cancels our year. In 2021, I, I was really focused on national title, hot trophy, and gold medal. 
that's all I wanted. And I dedicated everything I did. Like every day I was, I woke up and I was, I was locked in. I need a gold medal. I need a national title. And it was like, it was just built in me that I had to do it. And I knew when I did it, my life would change forever. And now we're here and I'm on your show and my life has now changed forever. Uh, do you think you win the gold medal if the games are in 2020? No. You don't? That year, no, that year, that year really blessed me and a lot because I, I was able to, to grow as I was able to grow as a person, I was able to grow maturely and and being able to sit out a whole year because COVID and just going in the weight room and just relocking in because we had nothing else to do. That's all I did every day, every morning, wrestled. That's all I did. And so I reconstructed myself to to mentally lock myself in to have that phenomenal run that I had this year. And it, it played out really well. Wow. I appreciate that honesty. I don't think a lot of people would say that. Um and so when you're a kid, are you growing up, like, did you watch MMA? Did you watch pro wrestling? Did you watch boxing? Were you a combat sports fan or were you just maybe just a wrestling fan? Oh, everything. I watch everything. everything. You got to. Well, I yeah. don't know. I mean, some people are just locked in. Like, which is your favorite? <laughs> Outside of amateur, collegiate wrestling, all that Olympic wrestling, which of the combat sports was your favorite growing up? Growing up, it was most definitely fighting. Uh-huh. Just NW too. I mean, I would say they're both equal. I don't want to put one okay. of them apart, but... Fighting growing up, we had like guys Anderson Silva and GSP and Lesnar and Couture would fight, and you got Tito Ortiz and Chuck Liddell fighting each other. So it was it was crazy that um growing up watching them, and I'm in that I'm at that point now where I am like pretty close to being one of those guys, and younger kids are looking up to me to and watching me maybe fight or go on the WWE ring and and be that person. So it's kind of a, a whirlwind of a, of events because I was I was young watching those guys, and now I meet those guys, and I'm in the same shoes they were, and I just hope that my, my main goal was to inspire them right now, inspire the young kids that are just, that were just like me walking up to famous people asked for autographs and, and doing all that. So for me to be an inspiration to them young kids right now is most definitely number one on my, my list, just because I was that young kid and now I'm that I'm 21 years old and I've, I've, I'm seeing the world and I'm meeting all these people like Vince and Dana White's texting and it's, it's very cool. And we shall get to those people in a second, but you did mention Brock Lesnar. You have often been compared to Brock Lesnar, of course, because of the University of Minnesota background. How old were you when you met Brock for the first time? I was 18 when I met Brock for the first time. Damn. I was a little kid. I mean, it was about three years ago, but With I the big Brock. hair, right? Yeah, the big poofy yeah. hair. I mean, funny story, funny story. No, no one knows the story. I'm going to tell it now since I'm here. I met just people I'm close with. Uh, Brock came in one day. And we we're practicing. And the first video you probably saw on Twitter of me and him wrestling, he was real, real tired and all that. And he came in and, and he was like, um, you got to cut that, cut that shit off your head. Really? <laughs> and I, I was like, my hair, I was like, what do you mean? I like it. And he was like, no, 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 you got to look like a professional. And so I thought about it for like a few months and mid match, I'd get my hair pulled and, and cause you know, headgear yeah, and stuff. Yeah. I, I would, a few months later, I went to the barber and it's a barber I really don't go to. I really rock with him like that. He cut me up and I was like, just take, take the top down a little bit. He messed up my haircut. And like, oh, but my no. fade was good, but he cut it off the wrong way. Oh no! And so I was like, maybe this is a sign, like that it's time for me to cut it all down. And so, my mom cuts hair too, and she she took the rest of the top off, and I had shorter hair. And then a few weeks later, I was like, you know what? I'm going down to the short, and I'm gonna grow a beard out. So that's how that's how I am now. It's a good look. Well, what did he say when he saw you the next time with the short hair? He liked it, you know, yeah. but, but it's crazy. It's crazy events. Like, like I go through like whirlwind of events, like three sixties. Cause, um, I was on the phone with him before I went to the Tokyo. He was, he was pumping me up and telling me the ins and outs of what to do and how to be a pro. And 
he, he comes out he comes out um yesterday or saturday at SummerSlam. he got this ugly hair and the beard and all that and back in the day i was i was telling him i was like yo you remember you told me to cut my hair and i told him you got to cut yours off now it's not looking good oh man and gable i go i go through like weird 360 events and it's like crazy i'm going through them right now because brock you got to cut it off okay so here's the thing gable um Brock Lesnar, you know, I've had the privilege of talking to a lot of big dudes, scary dudes, fighters. Without a doubt, the most intimidating man that I've ever stood next to while doing an interview. I can't say that. I'm thinking it. No lie. It's not a great look. It's a horrible haircut. You could say it like that. Holy crap. And you're not afraid that he's going to come and bury you in the sand? Nah, he knows what it is. I mean, we've had the match in the wrestling room that no one sees. Oh, snap. What have you done? What have you done to Brock? Tell me, tell me. You know, I take care of my business. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> so when you're an 18-year-old, you're not intimidated by him? Like, did you have a moment there where this is Big Brad, Brock Lesnar? I was scared as hell of him. Okay. <laughs> Dude came up and he's about six. He's about, I'm like six one. He's about like six three, six four. He put together and he, he was he was absolutely ripped. And I was like, he's he's bigger than I thought. This is the first time I've ever seen him in person. And it was like, but honestly, it's cool that to have like that mentor, that role model in my life and have him do everything that I want to do in such a dominating fashion is, is cool because he can tell me how he did it and things I can do better. But when I first saw him, I was you know, I was like, come on now, you gonna have me wrestle you right now. <laughs> but at, as the time went on and we, we got um, closer and got cooler, it was, it was not like, it was just an easier factor now. Okay. So now let's get down to brass tacks. We've done the little, you know, preamble of brass tacks. Um, this is big. You're not going back to Minnesota, right? I mean, what do you need to go back there? You've done it all. Like you, you've got you've got a lot of money waiting for you. We're not going back, right? Can you announce it right here and now? <laughs> I mean, I don't know what I'm doing yet. I, I think there's so many options: WWE, football, UFC. I can go back to school for a year. Um, yeah, yeah that, right that's now? what you've been telling to everyone, like that jabroni Patrick McAfee. Let's get down to brass tacks. There is no chance you're going back to Minnesota. Why in the world would you go back? You got your national championship. You got your gold. What do you have to prove there? I have nothing to prove. The only thing I got to prove is I can win the national term again and prove that I'm the baddest NCAA heavyweight that's ever walked through. Okay, fair enough. That is a good thing to prove. Okay, name and likeness changes things, right? NIL, you signed with Dave Martin. Can now you, now you yes. can get paid, right? So I, I, probably five years ago, it's less of an option. Now a little more of an option because you can get paid to a degree, correct? Most definitely. It's a it's a great thing that that bill, that, that bill and NCAA passed it. And Dave is a great guy. He's turning up. He's, he's doing his thing for me. So... I appreciate his efforts and he's just, he's amazing. And mm -hmm. we were just, he came to Vegas and WWE and we just, we hit it off. And so he's a great dude. I'm happy he's in my corner. Okay. So now let's talk about WWE. You're there at SummerSlam. Well, actually first you're at Bellator on Friday. I mean, you're making the rounds, you're showing up. It's great. I love everything about this. Then you're at SummerSlam in Vegas on Saturday. And then you're in the locker room with the big bad man himself, Vinnie Mac. There's the picture of the face. I think we have the picture, your smile. Look at that picture. I mean, look at that. Thumbs up, Vinnie Mac. What was that? Was that your first time meeting Vince McMahon? First time ever. What was first it like? Tell ever. us. What was it like? It was, it was, it was simple. You know, he just, we just sat down and have a, had a, had an easy going conversation. You know how it goes. Um, just, just said, Hey, and got in and out. That's all. Uh, did you talk business? Did you, what did you guys talk about? Um, no, I, like I said, you know how it goes. That's uh, what I'm saying. I feel, okay, I feel. Now, you know how it goes. <laughs> and I see you with all the guys backstage and everything. I mean, did they give you uh, the red carpet treatment? Did they welcome you with uh, open arms? Almost well, definitely. They always welcome me with open arms. You know, Triple H, 
he he welcomes me very well. To me, Vince, that was a that was a warm welcome, you know. So the WWE community and the organization welcomes me with always open arms, a red carpet treatment, which is how it should be. Yeah, absolutely, man. You gold medalist, national champ. Now, what about UFC? Because Dana White said he was going to meet with you in Vegas. Did that meeting happen? Meeting did not happen. I got to Vegas and I was I was on go the whole day, so I had no time to reach out or nothing. You stood up, Dana White. You're a bigger badass than I thought. Man, you know, I don't know. You know, it's just tell me. He's dude. got my number. He can oh. reach out. You know, he's got my number. He can reach out. You felt like he wasn't coming at you uh, aggressive enough. He didn't want you enough. He don't. He's not coming at me like that. So, I'm, like I said, I wait my turn. Dana, you have my phone number. You got my Instagram. This I don't. I don't run. I don't run to people. You know, I, I do my job. I, I wrestle. I win championships. I put on for the university. I put on for USA. No need for me to run anywhere. I love now. What about uh, Bellator? Did you meet with Scott Coker on Friday? No, was I he did there? Not. He wasn't there. I didn't. I don't really know what he looks like. I just saw him from the Twitter video, so I'm not sure what he looks Come like. Come on, that's. A, that, I mean, Coker dropped the ball there. If I if he wasn't planning to be there, I'd get on the first plane, jet, private, whatever, and I would go there just <laughs> to meet with you and shake your hand and take that photo up. Okay, now let me ask you Got this, you. Gable, as I'm peppering you with these questions. Uh, if we go down the pro wrestling lane. Is it WWE or Bust? Or, you know, there's another company called AEW that's doing some big things. Have you talked to them as well? No, I've never I've never been approached by AEW. I've never wanted to reach out to AEW. My goal is to get to the WWE and be a be a big superstar. My goal is to get to UFC and be be a big superstar. You know, you there there's two ways I can I can go to UFC and try to be the baddest man on the planet and go to the WWE and be the baddest man over there. So I I want the the biggest organizations that are gonna put forth my name in a respectful way and i know aw can do his job but i've never been approached and so we'll see if they approach but if not then i just move on and go to go to my next day okay can i tell you you didn't ask my opinion but can i give you my opinion on what you should do yes okay i would i mean you have the blueprint right in front of you you got the brock lesnar blueprint i would go to pro wrestling first they build you into a monster. You get the rub. You become a huge star for that audience. You do your thing there maybe three, four years. You're still so young. What are you, 21 years old, right? I mean, you're so young. During yeah. that time, you're doing your training. You're testing out you know, the different gyms, coaches. You're finding your footing in the world of mixed martial arts. Three, four years, you jump over. Like Brock Lesnar did, you get right in there with big fights against big names, and then you win that championship, and now you're a national champion, you're a WWE champion, you're a UFC champion, like your predecessor, Brock Lesnar. What do you think of that? So you go down WWE first, and then you make a hard right to UFC. I mean, I think that could be a good idea. That, that could be a, a pathway I could take. I mean, I, the Brock Lesnar blueprint and pathway has worked out from very well, I think, and who knows, like I said, the decision may come here soon, or it may, I may... I may make y'all wait a little longer. I don't know yet. Uh, I've heard, I actually was talking to Bobby Lashley, the WWE champion, about you on Friday. He said, if he were you, hit your wagon to Paul Heyman, let him build you up, do that sort of thing. I know you don't want to be completely in, in Brock's shadow and do the exact same thing all over again, but Heyman has success in doing that. Do you have a relationship with Heyman? Because I've seen him tweet about you and promote you as well. What's your relationship like with uh, Mr. Heyman? I've been knowing Paul since I was probably... Uh, uh, junior, junior high school. That's oh. when we first like decisions and stuff like that. So I've been for some years now, and I'm not worried about being in rock shadow. You know, I'm not worried about no shadow. At, at, at the end of the day, we're all doing our thing. We're all doing a job. There's no shadow. There's no nothing. And 
there is not one person that's going to be more bigger than the other. And if it's that way, then it's that way. But being in a shadow of someone has never been crossed my mind because we're, it's a job, it's a business. We're all going to make our own ends at the end of the day. Do you feel like this was almost pre-written for you, Gable? Your name is Gable Dan. You are named after the legendary Dan Gable. It actually reminds me a little bit like Tyson Fury, the, the, the heavyweight boxer who, I don't know if you know this, was named after Mike Tyson. His father gave him that name. So it's very similar. Do you, like, I know your brothers were into wrestling as well, but like for your family to give you that name, it almost feels like this was your destiny. Do you believe that? Um, just a little bit. I feel like just when the name Gable came along and I was just, I started off young wrestling and I, I've been in that spot wrestling for so long. And I met Gable for the first time when I was about eight, nine years old. And after that, he always reaches out and everything. So it feels like, like I said, like I kind of live like in a whirlwind with the, the haircut with Brock Lesnar and like yeah. talking to people, things happen. And so that was like, it's like a whirlwind of three sixties, like things just flip sides and I, I do them somehow after someone else does them years before. We have one problem with WWE, if you ask me, and I love the way they're, you know, they have you at NXT in the front row and they're putting you over and they bring you out in front of the crowd. It was great. Um, but we got a problem. There's a young man there who was a part of the uh, American Olympic team back in the day named Chad Gable. Now, uh, we can't have, we can't have two Gables on the roster. Like he's got to no, drop that name, right? Gables. Right. Yeah, he's got he's to cut the name. He's got to okay. go to wherever. It's not even his real name. No, 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 no. My real name is Gable. You know, yeah. it's 100% there. You know, Chad Gable... You got to cut the name, my guy. I agree. Just go by chat. Now, I have to tell you another thing, uh, Mr. Gable. I don't know if you know this, but I'm a hardcore Buffalo Bills fan right here. Mm -hmm. Look at that. I got the football right here. Are you talking to the Bills? What's going on? Can you come to my Bills as well? What's happening? You know, I actually actually do want to go out there and play football just one time. I mean, if it doesn't work, then it doesn't work. I just go back to my regular profession. But um, I went to a go for football practice. I showed up randomly, Coach Fleck and gave me the warm welcome and stuff and the a bills recruiting coordinator was just there watching the practice and he was like came up to me hey how you doing um took my phone number down and probably like a week later all of a sudden articles were coming out saying gable has talked to the bills <laughs> which it happened and i told him i knew the coach and i knew how he liked wrestling and he told me too and and that's how it started wow okay uh have you ever played football before like in high school or anything <laughs> Never. I've never played it down in my life. And so this is something that truly interests you? Yes, it does. Can you give us the pecking order? Like, what's the number one thing? That, is it pro wrestling, then MMA, then football? Would that, would that be the pecking order? Uh, the pecking order would probably be um, uh, try, try, try something new first and then choose the, the next path after that. So the new thing first would probably be play football. Oh. Like, if, like I said, if I don't make it, then I don't make it, but... All options are open. Who who may get me first? Not sure. Okay, so now I'm I'm reading the situation completely differently. <clears throat> now I'm thinking you might go to the University of Minnesota for one more year to try to go back to back, like Drake once said, and then also try to walk onto the football team and try to do that thing as well. And now you are even making more buzz for yourself as you win the national championship for the second straight time, and then you leave school. Is that what we're leaning towards? No, you just made up a whole different okay. story. All right, all right. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just trying to crack you, my man. I'm trying to crack uh, you. Made a whole different story. <laughs> you know, I can I can play play for the go for football program. I mean, they've worked. They welcome me with open arms, but I can try out for the Bills or another team or beforehand and who knows so you're trying to make up a story on me no i'm not trying to make i'm trying to crack you because you're so damn good uh can i ask when do you expect to make this announcement 
I expect to make this announcement. Um, I want to do it fairly soon, but if it doesn't work like that, then I won't make it soon. I'll just just weigh it out. But at the end of the day, I'm gonna make 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 a good decision and do what's best for me. And if it takes another month, then it takes another month. But I'm hoping before October. Okay. <clears throat> Regarding school, I, I I apologize for not knowing this. Do you have to tell them by a certain point? No. Okay. I can attend I can attend school and not tell them that I'm gonna wrestle or anything. So who knows? Gotcha. And in your mind, I know you're not gonna tell us, but in your mind right now, do you have the answer? Yeah. Oh, you know. Oh, I know. <laughs> it's done. No, it's not 100% done. I'll say it's about 60% done. Like I said, I'm weighing all options in. But in your mind, you I, have a path. Like you, If someone came to you oh, privately, yeah. your mom is like, what's up, Gabe? What are we doing? You know what you want. You know where you're going. It just has to all come to fruition. You've already made that decision, sort of. Most definitely. Man, Gabriel, you're so good at this. I don't know. I, this is just amazing. You're just, you're playing us all. Oh, I can't. I, I'm trying to tell you, but I can't. I, are you trying to tell me? Did I miss a couple clues? Might have. Say. Rewind this and play it again. After <laughs> I think WWE. I mean, that smile. Vinnie Mac doesn't smile with people no. like that. He doesn't smile with yeah, people. You look good in that picture. You look good in that picture. You I did look that. great. You did a lot of, lot of publicity on Instagram and Twitter. It did. And you held the belt as well. Well, definitely. You know, they, the belt's heavy. Did they, they give you that? Perfect. Did they give it to you like as a gift or was it just for, for a photo op? It was just for a photo op. Okay. And by the way, what was it like when you walked out? 50,000 people. What was that like? Oh, it was loud. It was crazy. It, it felt like I should be there. It felt like it was my calling. But, you know, I could walk out from that. Take thousand at the UFC rank next week. You never know. That's right. That's right. And uh, did you know Brock was coming back? He told you, right? Nope. He didn't no tell you. Really? You were shocked. I was I, I was up in a suite like. Oh, man. Like, it was crazy. Like, I was up in a suite like baffled to the fullest. And, like, I normally don't get baffled. And, like, when he came out, I was like, there was no way. This is amazing. Well, I, lo I would love the storyline of the young Gable going up against Big Bad Brock, shaving his head off, telling him he looks like, you know, uh, a crazy man with that hair. You're doing such great work. I will leave you alone, Gable. Uh, congratulations on all your success. Congratulations on what you're doing, how you're playing this. It's, it, it actually reminds me a little bit of Kurt Angle back in the day. I think you were too young to remember that, but he did a sort, similar thing where he was kind of playing the field and sh he showed up in ECW and WWF at the time. Uh, I just love it, and I hope you get paid, my man. I hope you get paid and then some, whether it's NIL stuff with Minnesota, whether it's WWE, UFC. I just hope you get uh, the world and then some. So, again, congrats. Thank you for the time, and I can't wait to see what you do. And if you want – hey, by the way, if you want to come on the show and make the announcement here with the hats or something like that, the floor is yours, my friend. Anytime, mi casa, su casa. I appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you for having me all those. All right. There he is, Gable Stevenson. Good luck to him, one of the hottest names. If you're not following what this man is doing on social media, if you are not following how he is just pretty much playing everyone, it's a beautiful thing. I mean, this man has the world in the palm of his hands. He's got the biggest, uh, the biggest promoters in the game, all essentially fun. Although, I got to say, I mean, you're in Las Vegas. You don't take the time to meet with Gable Stevenson. I mean, that's a dropping of the ball if you ask me. Buffalo Bills. I feel like we're going to. Uh, I feel like we are going to see him in WWE. That's that's what I feel. Um, it just seems like they uh, they really. When you've got that massive historic PFL versus Bellator card, it is a big one. It's a pay per view. It's PFL champs versus Bellator champs and PFL stars versus Bellator stars. Historical night. First time in MMA history that a place like this is hosting Saudi Arabia. A big. MMA card. 
It's, in fact, the first major MMA event to take place in Saudi Arabia and the first cross-promotional event between both PFL and Bellator, with former champions and current champions colliding in one epic night. The headliner, like I said earlier, is Henan La Problema Fejera going up against Ryan Bader. They go toe-to-toe in a fight that I think will determine who Francis Ngannou will fight in his PFL debut. That's the plan. And I wouldn't be surprised if they announce that that seems to be the direction. So stay tuned. Also, as we said earlier, Johnny Evelyn against Impa Kasangane. They did save Patricio Pitbull. He's going to remain on the card. Aaron Pico as well. Clarissa Shields on the card. Yoel Romero. Um, Tiago Santos. Whole bunch of big names. It's all going down. This Saturday, February 24th, live on ESPN Plus Pay-Per-View and DAZN. That's ESPN Plus Pay-Per-View or DAZN. Like him. Oh, that was fun. DC talking to me about uh, Gable for quite some time. And by the way, so great to see DC on Friday. First time I see him in 17 months. We had a big reunion. He didn't let me hug him or kiss him. But we went out to eat. It was great to... uh, to touch base, if you will, to reminisce. It was great to talk to him, not via the magic of Zoom, but uh, via the magic of actual in-person interactions. It was a great thing. And so... That was probably the highlight of the weekend for me, if I'm being honest. Like, the WWE stuff was great. They were very kind. It was nice to actually be, uh, you know, treated nice by PR people for once. Um... But if I'm being honest, the actual highlight of the weekend was uh, seeing my good friend Daniel Cormier. All love, all love between us. We were reminiscing, we were talking, we were hugging. Um, Bought my kids $300 worth of merchandise. I actually didn't go to SummerSlam, unfortunately. I was supposed to be there. And there's not a lot of incentive at this juncture for media to stick around post-event because there's no press conference stuff. I think it could actually be pretty cool. AEW does a good job with this with the scrums. I think it would be a cool wrinkle. You bring a couple guys out to talk. You know, imagine they brought Brock Lesnar out. I doubt that would happen, but... uh... That would be a cool way to incentivize media to to uh, to go to the events. And so there was this hurricane uh, coming to the Northeast. So I actually tapped and uh, left before the event. I was in the air and landed at around 9.30 on Saturday. So I actually didn't get to go to Allegiant Stadium. But I suspect the UFC will be holding events there in the next couple of years. Uh, it appears to be a fantastic arena slash stadium slash facility. I mean, their football team is not going to win anything. They're going to be uh, pretty, you know, pretty much a non-factor in the uh, in the AFC. But nevertheless, a very cool venue, if you ask me. Um, all right. So in a matter of seconds, uh, we are going to be joined by our next guest, one of the all-time greats in the history of combat sports. Of course, former Strikeforce champion, former Dream champion, former UFC contender, former K1 champion, and a longtime friend of this here program. He's been on this show, I mean, when we were doing the, uh, the little rollout for the show and talking to people about, you know, great moments and posting stuff, courtesy of Robert Pearson, by the way, who's doing a great job. So happy to have him in the mix. You see the drawings. Uh, this man was featured as one of the first. He's my friend and yours. He's the demolition man. He is the one and only Alistair 
Overeem, who's kind enough to join hey. us. My hey. man, Alistair. How are you? The legend. Welcome back. Yeah. The old show, you, Alistair. Sir. The old show's back. We had so many great memories the here. The, the Dougie, Birthday King. Remember? Great memories. I remember. I remember, of course. How can I forget? I mean. still got You still got my iPad. Yeah, uh, I don't know about that, Alistair. I, I feel like there's a statue of limitations there. By the way, uh, some might say that without this show, you're not the legend that you became. Like, this show made you famous. That's what people are saying, not me. It's people. all because of you, Ariel. <laughs> it's all because of you. Oh, Alistair. Well, it's great you want, to see you. You want some money? You want a couple bucks? No, I want nothing, Alistair. I just like uh, having okay. you on the show. It's great to have you on. It's great to see that big smile. And Alistair, let's not waste any time. You have a big announcement to make, Alistair. I want you to make this announcement. You, my friend, are the A-side here as far as my show is concerned. What's the announcement? Let the world know. Uh, you want me just, just to spit it out? I want you to spit it out, and then I want to ask you a million questions it about out. it. All right. So uh, next fight is announced. Next fight is booked. Next fight is final. We will be challenging for the glory heavyweight kickboxing title. October 23 in the Netherlands in my backyard. And yeah, it's going to be awesome. It's going to be versus Rico. And I'm very excited. Okay, Alistair, let me just uh, fill in a couple of the holes here. October 23rd, Glory Collision 3. You, the legend, the former K1 champion, returning to his roots, not only in kickboxing, but also returning to the Netherlands, your home country, to face fellow Dutchman, current reigning, defending, glory, heavyweight, kickboxing champion, the one and only Rico Verhoeven in a clash of all clashes, a dream match, if you will, as far as kickboxing is concerned. October 23rd in the Netherlands, 23,000 fans. They are expecting this arena over there, Alistair. You see how more than 23,000 fans. How many are we expecting? I think it's going to be like 35,000. Oh, my dear. It's going to be Netherlands' biggest Yes, in Arnhem, Arnhem, Netherlands, at the Yerdome. Is that did I pronounce that correctly? Kelderdome. Kelderdome is called. Uh, okay, I can't get that correct. So that's soccer stadium, and uh, yeah, it's gonna be awesome. Oh my gosh, is this an outdoor stadium? Um, no, it's indoors. 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 Okay. Uh, yeah. but you see how yeah. I you see how I built that up, Alistair. You see how I could promote. I could promote better than any promoter in the sport. You know that, right? You sure. Yeah. Well, anyways, this is very exciting. This is a dream fight. This is a dream fight, right? Yeah, this is going to be awesome. It's going to be big. It's going to be a circle. It'll be complete, right? It's in the Netherlands. Started kickboxing back in 1997. And then we went in MMA afterwards. And then we went back into kickboxing. And we, we won the K1 2010 Grand Prix title. And now we're again coming into kickboxing. Oh, one oh. second. Let me just... Yeah, my battery went... Uh, yeah, we're there. So now we're coming back once again into kickboxing. Now, I spoke to you, Alistair, right when you signed with Glory, when, when the news came out, and you told me there were basically two things that really interested you, either another fight against Badr Hari or Rico Verhoeven. You went with Rico. You went for yeah. the title. Why? Well, Badr's uh, locked up, right? Badr's got a fight uh, next week. Yeah. So he's just booked up, and then... Um, you know, to be honest, me and Butter fought twice. Hmm. Um, he doesn't hold the title. Hmm. You know, of course, it's a prestige fight. It's a big fight, but he doesn't hold the title. So, of course, you're going to go highest possible. That's Rico at this point. For those that don't know, Alistair, what is your relationship like with Rico? Well, it's actually all right. Uh, he was in my camp 2012. Um, we hung out a little bit here and there. Social guy. Um can't say anything bad about him. I think he's done great in his career. He's winning his fights. 
Um, I think he's a good role model uh, for sport. He's, 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 it was not only him, but it was also the bother fight which really put him on the map. But he won that fight twice, not once, but twice. Uh, yeah, and it, it, it appears he's doing everything right. Who's the bigger star in the Netherlands right now, Alistair Overeem or Rico Verhoeven? Um, I think, um, I think, I think maybe Rico's bigger. Yeah. yeah. Come on, really? Yeah, he's, he's no, because he's he's doing more. Um, he's doing more media. Like I'm not doing any media in the Netherlands, and he is doing all the media he can he can uh, do. Um, I'm a little bit a different character. Also, I don't really enjoy doing media. Especially in the Netherlands, I do not enjoy it. <laughs> why? Tell us why. Why? Why don't you like it in the Netherlands? Um, because okay, so so I'll tell you. Please, in please. The, in the Netherlands, um, criminality is linked to fight sport. Oh. So always when I have to give interviews, I have to explain what a good boy I am and how I'm not doing anything, any criminal activities, and I'm just very dedicated. And then they're always like, huh? "Oh, oh, you're actually okay." And you know. I don't care for approval from people that, yeah, I don't know. I just didn't. And then Rico, on the other hand, uh, when you look at Rico, you just know he's not a criminal. He's just like <laughs> a good, clean guy. And, um, yeah, like, like I said, a good role model for the sport. And he never really had to endure any of that. Uh, and then when he fought Bother, Bother's kind of like a little bit more old school. Bother is seen as a criminal, and he was kind of seen as a clean-cut guy. And then, yeah. He, he, he kind of came out of that again as the clean-cut guy. So, uh, and for me, yeah, you know, I, I just always felt I had to defend myself and defend the martial arts. And even though, you know, in the U.S., the sport is totally accepted. It's a real sport. It's huge. In Japan, before that, it's totally accepted, clean sport. And then I always thought I had to defend that position. And I was like, yeah, I'm not really in the mood for that. I just focus on me, focus on positivity. And, uh, yeah. Does it, does it kind of annoy you, blow your mind, Alistair? You're one of the greatest combat sportsman in the history of MMA and kickboxing, given what you've accomplished there, even though you haven't been there for so long. You're wearing the shirt right over there, K1 World Grand Prix. You're from the Netherlands, right? I mean, the fact that you are almost respected more and treated better by the media in the, in the States as opposed to your home country, after all these years, you're in your 40s now, that seems like a shame, no? That seems unfortunate. No, listen, listen. I, I never uh, fought for approval of media of anybody. I just do my own thing, right? Um, yeah, it's, it's not a shame. It's just yeah, different markets, right? The, every country is different. In the one country, you're going to get more appreciation than the other. Uh, I'm not blaming anyone. And it's, and it's, it's a little bit the total picture of the sport, right? Because in the Netherlands, there has been some criminal activities uh, uh, done by kickboxing guys or, or, or fighters, let me put it that way. Um, yeah, so it, it is what it is. Nah. Well, that bums me out. I feel like at this point you have done enough to prove yourself to where they should. You know, listen, people that people that know my career will give will give homage, and it's all fine. It's yeah. I, it, you know, but it was not always the case. That, that's what I'm saying. Back in the days, I'm, I'm talking ten years ago. Yeah, <clears throat> I had to really defend uh, the, the the sport of kickboxing, and uh, yeah, it was just, I was just not really in the mood for that. You know, you, I just got other things on my mind. Uh, where are you now? Are you in the states now, or are you in the Netherlands? Yeah, I'm in uh, Dallas at my friend James McSweeney. So yeah, we're training at James McSweeney oh, MMA. Wow, so great uh, gym, great energy. Yeah, and, but I'm 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 bouncing around a little bit. So I'll be going to Netherlands this week, and then I train in uh, Core Hammers, Nick Hammers. So I'm bouncing around a little bit. So for this camp, because it's not MMA, are you not going to Colorado again? Oh, I will. I will. You will go there as well. 
I absolutely will. Listen, like I said, I'm bouncing around a little bit. Will Will you have the elevation guys in your corner? Because again, it's not it's not yeah. MMA. You are. Elevation guy is going to be in my corner. Wow, this is fun, Alistair. This is fun. Now, can it's I like ask... a puzzle, right? We just figure it out as we go along. Yes, of course. Now, could I ask, um, as far as your relationship towards the sport of MMA, since you know, I know you weren't very happy to to leave the UFC when you did. Have you been watching? Do you need a break from it? Did you stop? You know, like mentally, you're like, yeah, I'm just going to take a break. I'm not going to watch this as much. How do you no, feel? No, no, no. Still a huge fan. Still a lot of appreciation for uh, for Dana. And, uh, and the guys at the UFC, they're doing a great job. I mean, the show is awesome, right? The fights are awesome that they're putting on. Uh, still love the sport, still enjoy the sport. Um, and I better, right? Because <laughs> I'm coming to the end of my career. Uh, and then I'm going to become a coach. So, um, no, I still love everybody. Still a lot of positive vibes. Uh, and we just keep uh, marching on. So is that your plan post-fighting? You have decided you want to be a coach. Yeah, yeah. And the last, I don't know, I've kind of always teached um, – besides training myself and it started out this fun and just a group and then a little one-on-one and then later i did the seminars they're kind of worldwide seminars meeting greets and then i just really like it i just really like to give a pass on the knowledge the, the experiences so that is going to be my next thing interesting and and would it be in the netherlands um i have not decided yet but it will also be the netherlands but i'm thinking kind of 50 50 i'm not going to be in one spot i kind of like the traveling around so i'm I'm, I'm thinking netherlands and another spot and i've not decided the other spot i i was really thinking about thailand i was just gonna say big that, fan right? of thailand we yeah. know that right yeah, yeah. Been there since uh, since 2002 but um thailand is not good at the moment covid mm. so you have to kind of uh, take that into consideration Maybe it'll be U.S. somewhere. Maybe it'll be uh, Dubai. I don't know yet. We're, we're, we're looking at options. I still have some time, right? Still, uh, what is For it? For sure. Almost done with fighting, but we still have, uh, I don't know, a year, maybe a year half. And would this be sort of like the Alistair Overeem fight team? Like your own thing? You're not going to go link up with someone. It's going to be your own team. Well, I kind of really love the, the team elevation guys. Mm-hmm. So we'll have some talks with them. But um, obviously, if I'm going to start an own gym, it'll be something of my own. Also. Okay. Um, and, and go ahead. Sorry. No, that wasn't. Oh, okay. Um, you, you had mentioned, you know, starting to think about the end and all that. And I know I asked you this the last time, but now that you've had a few more months to think about it, how many fights are we going to do for glory before, you know, maybe transitioning to that coaching career you just spoke? I'm thinking, I am thinking, um, I'm thinking three fights. Three. Yeah. Three fights. Maybe four, but three, maybe two. Oh, two, okay. three, four, something like this. Okay, this is the. I'm gonna. I'm gonna lay it out. We're gonna have the big fight October 23rd in. Uh, let me get it again. Arnhem, Netherlands. Arnhem. Yeah. Battle of Arnhem. You know your history. Yeah, something like that. Uh, I mean, I'm reading it. Uh, so okay, so you're gonna you're gonna have that fight. You're gonna win the belt. Then they're gonna do an immediate rematch. So that's the second fight. And then maybe you end it with the trilogy fight against Badrahari. That's the third fight. Could be, yeah. Nice. And, and, nice. and it sounds to me like if that's the plan, your days of fighting in MMA are over. Uh, never say never, but could be. It, it, does it feel that way to you? Uh, it could be. I'm not, I'm not, yeah, I know you're trying to pin me down. No, I'm not trying That's to pin me down. That's what you do. I mean, look. Yes, you, you do. Remember one time I went to Jackson's, <laughs> you tried to pin me down. I showed impeccable takedown I was defense. very successful in pinning you down. Oh, my God. It almost God. resulted in a lawsuit. <laughs> 
<laughs> no way. What are you trying to say? My hips in that maneuver. I mean, you were shocked at my sprawl. Were you not? Uh, listen, you have never fought in your life. Yeah, well, that's what you know. You have that's never you punched think. another man in your life, have you? Uh, I don't like to talk about have that. Have you been punched in your life? I don't even think you ever got punched. Yeah, okay, fine. Listen, you believe what you want <laughs> no, no, to believe, but, Alistair. But have you ever punched somebody and have you ever been punched? Uh, where? In your face. Oh, okay. Where I mean, look, you could punch someone in the arm, in the stomach. No, no, no. Have you ever been punched for real and have you ever punched somebody else for real? Okay, a lot of people don't know this, Alistair, but before I got into MMA, I had a, a budding amateur career. I went 15 and 3 on the amateur circuit. Unfortunately, things didn't work out a couple of in injuries. In what? Uh, in mixed martial arts. <laughs> no, but, 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 but listen, in all honesty, I did do boxing training <laughs> for the last year and a half pre-COVID. And so I was starting to do, a, you know, the hands were flying, Alistair. I don't know if you know about my double jab. People were starting to compare it to the great Floyd Mayweather. Unfortunately, COVID hit and I haven't been back. So they were starting to I say. I compared it to Ronda Rousey. Oh, <laughs> Alistair. Hey, they once said Ronda Rousey was the next Mike Tyson. So, you know, I don't know if you heard that, but a lot of people were saying yeah. that, Alistair. <laughs> oh my gosh, Alistair! Uh, I don't even know how we got on that. Uh, how do we, oh, <laughs> about the pinning down? Your career, your MMA fighting career is over. Yes. Nah. Why we, are you hesitant? You know, why like, are you hesitant to say it? Because I have not retired from MMA, and I know you're trying to kind of. That would be your follow-up question. Okay, everybody, you're not. No, I'm not retired from MMA. I'm not retired from fight sport. Um, no, I never consumer. said fight sport. We tried to make we, we we tried to make a little bit of that fatal fight, and that was kind of like uh, radio silence on that end. Uh, yeah, but that would be something I was interested in. But that was like uh, that surprises me that they weren't interested in that one. That's the one in October, but it wouldn't have worked with this because listen, your fight is listen, listen, listen. Yeah, okay, okay. We tried to make that fight 2010 when I, he fought Verdum and I fought Brett Rogers. Declined after he lost to Verdum. We tried to make that fight. He declined, huh. and now he has declined. So that's three declines. So I think, you know, with all due respect, but there is no interest from that side to fight me. Interesting. And uh, I cannot blame uh, Fader because, listen, I'm getting a little bit older myself, a little bit, not too much, a little bit. Uh, yeah. He's a little bit older than me. I think he's 45 or 46. So I understand that. But I have done everything I can do to make that fight happen. Man. Ten years ago, but also now. 10 years ago would have been gigantic. Now it would have been a lot of fun, especially in Russia. But I don't know if the timing would have worked out because it's around the same time as, as this fight with, uh, with Rico. Listen, we've been talking for months. What are you okay. talking about? All right, all right, all right. You're thinking this is all like last week. This is all <laughs> going in the background for months. And then if there's like no response, yeah, of course, I'm not going to be sitting around waiting till uh, the sun comes up. You're going to move on, right? Yeah. With, with we had we had we had zero response. But listen, doesn't matter. I still have a lot of respect for Fedor. I still have, think he has an amazing career. Uh, love the Russian fans, and he's going to do his thing. I'm going to do my thing, and that's the end of that. Uh, this uh, deal that you have with Glory, they they allow you to do MMA as well at the same time. That's a good deal, Alistair. Who put that together? Want to do your first fight? <laughs> Me. Or your, what was it? Your 16th fight because you were 15 and oh, right? 15 and 3. <laughs> when 15 did you and 16 3. Fight I'm not a liar, Alistair. I'm 15 <laughs> and 3, okay? I had a couple of stumbles along the way. 
You versus me, Alistair, would outdraw you versus Rico. It would be one of the biggest fights in the history of combat sports. Don't you think? Me versus you. Winner gets an iPad. That's it. (laughs) You and Rico versus me is a little bit more honest, I think. Oh, my gosh. I'll be in the corner hyping him up. Now, Alistair, let me ask you, as far as Bellator is concerned, did you even have any talks with them? Not about Fedor, but just in general? Once you became a free agent? Uh, yeah, there, there, there were some talks. And listen, uh, Scott Cog is great. Yeah. Get along with him. Former boss at Strikeforce. So he was my boss for a couple of years. Good relationship with him and all fine. Um, but at the moment, um, yeah, we're, we're not, uh, we're not uh, talking. Have you started the training for this, uh, this bout? October 23rd, Glory Collision 3. Have you started it? Absolutely. Absolutely, yeah. What, what was it like now transitioning? To- and the way, the way I see it is, I... I I just, you know, take it serious. So I've been in camp, what is it, for months now? Putting but, in the work. Body is there, mind is there, everything is there. As far as just transitioning to strict kickboxing training, what has that been like for you? You don't have to worry about anything. Now. Like, it's, I, I would imagine maybe refreshing, right? You don't have to do wrestling, anything. Muay Thai. Uh, I mean, maybe Muay Thai a little yeah, bit. It, it, it's a little switch, right? It, mm. it, it's a little switch. Well, for me, it's kind of a little switch, but for most people, it'll be like a little bit of a bigger switch. I think it's a, a massive switch from kickboxing to MMA and actually not done. Uh, from MMA to kickboxing is a is a smaller switch, but it still is a switch nonetheless. Your, your body needs to harden up a little bit different. Um, conditioning is a little bit different. It's shorter rounds, but high intensity. Uh, you're going to get hit more. Right, your defense needs to be there, so it's 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 yeah, it's different. It's it's, it's slightly different. No wrestling, mm. no submissions, no submission defense, all that stuff. So it's a little bit less uh, complex, less complicated, but still, you're fighting at the top of the line, the top of the, the top of the world. So you still need to have everything on point. By the way, did you see your old friend Brock Lesnar return to wrestling this past weekend? Did you see the photos of him? <clears throat> so the thing is with that whole wrestling thing, I yeah. watched it when I was eight, nine, ten years old. Hulk Hogan, Ultimate yeah. War, huge fan of those guys. Honka Tonk Man, great, funny, unrated giant. Yes, 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 yes. I stopped watching after that. Oh. So I'm, I'm, I'm not watching since 92, 93, 94. And just recently, I started looking again on YouTube. Oh. And oh, my God, this stuff is lame. Come on. It's just lame what all these guys are doing. It's fake. It's lame. It's stupid. It's It doesn't make any sense. Oh, don't say that, Alistair. Why? I mean, because well, I'm speaking the truth. No, I mean, well, just the uh, the you said it was, you know. I, I, listen, uh, it's it's for kids, right? Kids like it. My kids like it. No, that's not true. It's full of audience there. Well, I know full that. Of, full of, full of, full of, uh, but it's for all full ages. Of grown adults. What's the difference between that and Game of Thrones? What's the difference? Really? It's theater. What's really? the difference? You're yeah. asking me that? Yeah. What's the difference? It's theater. It's uh, it's athleticism. You don't think they're athletes? They're athletes. They're incredible athletes. You can spin around like that and do flips and all that and get landed on your head and all that. You have to respect the craft, correct? It's lame. All right. It's lame. Listen, it's not everyone's cup of tea. It's lame. Did you and see it's, his it's, hair? And it's, not even, it's, not even, it's not even a sport. It's just lame. Sports and it's, entertainment. It's bad acting. It's just lame. All right, fair so, sorry for being honest. There. No, uh, listen, sorry for, for sorry for all the fans of WWE, but I'm just being honest. I'm just giving my opinion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Free country, right? Of course. I think it's lame, and I and I just because I I hadn't seen it for 20 years. I didn't. I, I knew it was there. Sure. I never watched Brock fight. I never watched the CM Punk fight. I never watched that stuff. Oh, it's from WWE. And then 
why, listen, why did nobody warn CM Punk what he was getting into? Of course he can't fight in the UFC. Of course he cannot do that. You should have been more honest. You should have warned that guy for what he was getting himself into. No, I mean, I think a lot of people... No? No, 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 wait, wait a second. What, honest about what? No one thought he was going to become like a, a UFC champion. That man got mentally destroyed in the octagon. Yeah. And if you look at his... his but who says, stuff, who says otherwise? No one says otherwise. If you look at his WWE stuff, like I never watched his WWE stuff. Okay. But if you look at it, then you can just, you, ju you can already predict it beforehand. I see what you're saying. This man is gonna, gonna, gonna have a bad, I see bad experience in the UFC. It's, no, it's not just not gonna be anything because he's gonna win. He's gonna get somebody tougher. Right. Right. Or he's gonna lose. And then he's not gonna lose once. This is gonna always be two times or three times. And he could get hurt. That's the, that's the even worse thing. He could have been really hurt. Uh, what about right? Brock? Training, Brock went from pro fight. wrestling to uh, to UFC and did well. Are you really going to stick up for that guy? No, I'm not sticking up, but them's the facts. Are they not? Are you... <laughs> He Aaron, won the we're, UFC. We're having a little disconnect over here. No, no, no. We're having a little bit of disconnect over here. No, I'm here. What, what's the problem? Did he not have success in the world of UFC before he got sick? Pre-USADA. Ah, okay. All right. Right. All right. Interesting. So you're saying oh, he got... Oh, yeah, you're pretending, you're pretending like, uh, huh, what, huh? Oh, come on, Harry. Yeah, listen, you used to be the honest guy. Okay, the okay, okay. Guy well, Alistair, if we're going to then say, like, people have said the same about you. Have they not? Well, I've been fighting, I've been fighting 10 years in UFC. It's been what is it? Nine years. Uh, right. Nine years right. after my thing. So I guess I guess that clears me of that, right? No, I know, but I mean, people and have tried years, to describe. Six years post Usada, so longer post Usada than pre Usada. Yeah, but he did have the Usada thing, yeah, with Mark Hunt. So he eventually did get caught. Oh, okay, okay. What happened there? He got caught. Finish your sentence. <laughs> what do you mean? Okay. He tested positive. He got caught. I think he tested positive <laughs> twice, if memory serves me correct. It was five years ago. Listen, I don't know how we got down this path, Alistair. You know I love you, but I mean, golly, you came out with some fire yeah, today yeah, here, yeah. Alistair. This is something. I just, listen, I'm just being honest. Yeah, I got you. Uh, and and, and, and it, I, I don't know. I, I I look at it and, I'm, and you know, because I'm looking at it on YouTube, there's, there's, you know, you click on one thing and yeah, then five yeah. more clips come up and then you're kind of, oh, what, what's happening with this guy? I'm looking at a, a lot of these guys have passed away, right? Yeah. That's the other sad thing sad. about the wrestling. Very sad. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I'm just amazed at that. And what I hear is, is that um, that I have financial difficulty, WWE. Uh, you, the company or the wrestlers? Or the, the, well, the, the, well, not the wrestlers, but the company. No, they're, they're actually doing. They're, no, they're doing well at this point. the 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 issue is the fighters or the wrestlers, I should say, much like the UFC fighters, they don't have a lot of rights. They don't have revenue sharing. They don't have a seat at the table. They don't get sponsors. All this stuff. So uh, they're kind of in the same boat in that regard. Independent contractors, but you can't go out and do whatever you mm. want. That sort of thing. I want to see everyone mm. get paid more. I hope you're getting paid a lot by Glory. Are you? Okay. How big is this fight going to be? You no, know, I, I, let me put it this way. Okay. Um, getting paid is one thing. Not spending your money is a second. That's true. Saving. I've been saving all my life. 
right? So, so you need to, that whole financial thing is a, is a, is a game plan in itself. Mm-hmm. And everybody got to figure it out, right? Everybody got to be a little bit clever in that, in that regard. Separate. Um, yeah. Are you getting paid more in glory than you were in the UFC? Well, listen, you always ask me all these questions. Oh, I'm not asking you. Uh, yeah, geez. You could ask me whatever you want. Ask no me whatever respect. you want. Ask me whatever you yeah, want. When am I getting out ask there? me whatever. <laughs> no, no, listen. We're not, have you not noticed I never discuss finances? I know. Well, you kind of opened I, the door I, for me there. You know, I'm just saying. Because, because I think it is a little bit disrespectful towards, um, yeah, towards the company, but also towards other athletes. Uh, I never talk money. I don't flash around with money. I think uh, that's inappropriate. Okay. So that's, that's a little bit where I'm on, on that. Uh, Alistair, coming up next, surprise guest is going to be Rico Verhoeven, the glory heavyweight champion of the world. Is I believe he's listening to us right now. Is there anything, uh, is there anything you want to say to Rico? Well, uh, nothing in particular. Uh, maybe, how goes it? You've been asking in the afternoon. What does that mean? Uh, I'm saying, how are you doing? And uh, you're somewhere in the background. Oh, wait, what do you mean he's in the background? What does that mean? Well, he's listening in, right? Oh, okay. I thought you meant like, you're the man, he's in the back seat. It's now your time. <laughs> always always trying to frozen gas in the fire, right? Uh, I mean, come on. No one wants Luckily, to hear, you, no one wants to hear how you're doing it. before a big fight October 23rd for the Glory Heavyweight Championship, Alistair. They want to hear some heat. They want to hear some fire. <laughs> Yeah, they're gonna they're gonna see all that, and um, they're gonna see more. All right. But uh, for now, it's all friendly and it's nice. And uh, listen, there's a lot of respect. He's doing a great job. I'm doing a great job. We're gonna collide. We're gonna clash. And um, yeah, fireworks coming up. Okay, we'll see if he has what the same to say. What is that? Eight weeks, nine weeks? Yeah, I'm gonna find out right now if he has the same to say about you. Something tells me no. Something tells me he's gonna disparage you from here up until uh, October 23rd, but we'll find out. Alistair? Listen, Rico, Rico is a good guy. He's Dutch. Dutch people don't really no, I know. do that. Very respectful. You're saying. Very respectful. And uh, not only that, he has a, he has a good, good man uh, image. So I don't expect him to, you know, he's going to be confident, but he's not going to be uh, nuts. Okay, we'll find out. Alistair, if you were here, I would give you a big old hug. It's good to see you, Alistair. Even though we uh, weren't on the same wavelength, as you like to say, I know you love me and I love you too. And I'll talk to you soon, all right? Boom. All right, there he is. Ariel, always good to see you. Thank you, my friend. It is a pleasure and good luck to you. Success. Good luck. October 23rd, Alistair Overeem going up against Rico Verhoeven for the Glory Heavyweight Championship. Now, a little more information about this. Uh, October 23rd, yes, the I can't the, the name, I'm going to screw it up. I don't want to screw it up. Arnhem, Netherlands, Glory Collision 3. It says here over 27,000 fans they are expected and the uh, they are expecting and the tickets will go on sale September 14th. By the way, those who purchase tickets to Glory 78, uh, which is taking place on September 4th at the Rotterdam Ahoy, will be given early access to buy tickets to Glory Collision 3, which pits Alistair Overeem against our next guest. Here he is, special guest, surprise. We got Rico Verhoeven joining us now via the magic of Skype. Rico, my friend, how are you? Yes, what's up, Ariel? It's been a while. It has been a while. Well, congratulations on this fight. This is a big-time fight, Rico. You know this, right? You versus Alistair, the two worlds colliding, the two most famous, dare I say, most famous Dutch kickboxers of all time coming together. I mean, I know there have been a ton of others, but this is a really big deal. You guys colliding October 23rd. What are your, what are your feelings, emotions about this fight getting done? 
hundred percent. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm excited about that. Of course, I want to congratulate Alistair on getting the fight because this is the this is the fight that actually everybody wants. So and that and not everybody gets. So uh, I think it's a huge deal for him. Um, yeah, for me, it's just another day at the office. So it's gonna be fun. I like I like this, Rico. You're congratulating Alistair on getting the lottery ticket that is Rico Verhoeven. They had to ask you, like, did you feel, hey, you know what, Alistair? You haven't fought in kickboxing in, uh, what, 11 years? Maybe you should go fight someone first and then fight for the belt. How did this whole, you know, the whole process, how did it all play out? Um, no, like, I'm not really, like, able to say or do anything about it. Just glory uh just suggests or tells me like hey we're trying to get alistair uh to fight you so um yeah just so you know and i just all i say is let's go <laughs> i'm here i'm here anyway so is this a dream fight for you um uh, is this a dream fight mm, yeah it, it, well it is a name that i like to have on the list okay i mean this I like is the end. right i would because imagine probably, uh, so many guys in glory and I think he's a very good uh, add-on to the roster. Do you feel like it's a little ambitious on his part that he's maybe biting off a little more than he can chew? He hasn't competed in about 11 years in kickboxing and now he is coming to fight you. You know, arguably the greatest glory heavyweight champion of all time, the king right now. I mean, that's a big jump, no? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're definitely right. But, um, yeah, I think that's the the fighter uh, mentality and the fighter heart that he has. And, you know, he's been fighting for so long. So um, from my part, I think he knows what he's getting into. Okay. What what did you make of his last few fights in the UFC prior to coming over to glory? Um, I think, yeah, they weren't the best. But, yeah, you know, it, um, it, it could be so many things. You know, maybe just done with MMA or uh, couldn't get motivated anymore. or I don't know, but I wasn't like uh, really impressed with, uh, yeah, with uh, his performances in the, in, the, in the UFC. But of course, he had like some ups and downs. So he definitely had some good ups. And the last few were, were some downs. But yeah, it happens. What is your relationship like with Alistair? Yeah, we're okay. We're not, not like hostile or something. It's like, yeah. Um, yeah, we say hi. We say, yeah, like, how are you? Whatever. But we're just like, we're not best, best friends, but just respect him. Uh, definitely respect him as an athlete. You trained together in the past a little bit, no? Yeah, he asked me to help him uh, in his camp versus Bigfoot, like back in the day. Yeah. How'd that go? Yeah, it was good. It was fun. But I came from... Uh, um was i think that was my was my first year trying to become glory world champion and i uh, lost with my only loss in glory versus semi shield um so i was and it was like i think three weeks later or something else uh else flew me in to help him out so i wasn't like 100 percent, but that was fun so we got like used to uh, used to each other, like uh, spar a little bit, hang around, and yeah, that was, that was good. Uh, so you, so you did actually spar him. Yeah. Um, and, and you know, obviously, no one talks about what happened there, but it's interesting that you, uh, you know, that you actually went toe to toe with him when this fight was presented to you. 
of all the options, I would imagine this was probably the most interesting one, right? I mean, you had the Badahari fight. I mean, like there, there's there's not a ton of big names like Alistair available, and especially one that could sell this many tickets. This would seem like a no-brainer, correct? Yeah, 100%. So, so for me, actually, Ariel, I got to be honest, to whatever glory uh, throws at me, I always say yes. I never decline. I okay. never decline the fight. Really? Only thing... Well, I, no, really. I only only thing I tell them like a, a fight has to make sense. Yeah. So like doesn't make sense like a, a nobody or a no name or whatever that doesn't make any sense because the people here they want to see me fight and they want to see me fight names they know and people they know so then there's a, like a hype we can build up and I think that's what it's all about because next to uh, we us fighting. We got to keep in mind that we're entertainers. Mm. People want to be entertained. Do you feel like uh, right now this could, like, how big of a deal do you think this is going to be? Because I was asking Alistair, who's the bigger name in, in the Netherlands right now? You or him? He said you. He said you do a lot of great media. You know, you're a good looking guy. You present yourself very well. And that, you know, this could be billed as, you know, legend against the current champ. Like, I feel like they're going to sell these tickets very easily. Do you feel like this is going to be a big, big deal? Over in the Netherlands? Yeah, 100%. Because, you know, uh, Alistair left his mark on combat sports in his in his total. In his, uh, so he, he did kickboxing and strike force. He, he, he did it all. He, he was everywhere. So people know him. So especially with that in, our, in the back of our minds is that it's a perfect it's a perfect match. Do you feel like um, the history now with Badahari, do you feel like it helped elevate you? Did, you? did you get what you wanted out of fighting him? Do you feel like you're now a bigger star because of the history with him now? That was a fight that you know people were talking about you versus Badahari for forever. Yeah, 100%. Um, yeah, there was a fight like people were talking about because I think Alistair like, uh, already put on the tip a little bit. Like It was like a bit of good guy versus the bad guy. Right. Well. Like for me, uh, I don't really see Bader as a bad guy, but just like that's what the like the public opinion became, and that's like they just put him in those shoes. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that made like the, the total hype. It's like like a movie uh, a movie script, good versus bad, and then bomb it just explodes. So that was yeah, that, of course that was perfect. That was perfect, and yeah, we did what we had to do. So yeah, on to the next. You mentioned at the beginning of the interview, you know, we hadn't talked in a while. I think the last time we spoke, maybe I'm wrong, but I think the last time we spoke was when you were transitioning to MMA, you were trying out MMA, um, but that well, didn't last very yeah. long. Why didn't you uh, continue with MMA? Because I got a, I got an amazing offer from, uh, from Glory. And then, yeah, I was like, okay, this, this, this is like an offer I can't refuse. So... Yeah, so that was for me. That was that was good, and then I just decided let's just keep on kickboxing and stay at our craft, and we're good at what we're doing. So, yeah. So that was cur- that. You're currently 32. Do you think you will ever try MMA again, or are you content if the rest of your career is just fighting for glory, doing the kickboxing thing? Yeah, uh, never say never. I'm always like open, but to be really honest, it's like I don't think it's it's. Well, I don't think I know. It's not my ambition anymore okay. to be an MMA fighter. So, and I think that's a really important key in 
what you do in life. What you do and what you want has to be your passion. And if I would transition to MMA, I would want to be really from like from the heart, want to be the best. And if that's not the case, then you'll never be successful in what you're doing. Why do you think, you know, sometimes we have these conversations where it's like, oh, Francis Ngannou versus Tyson Fury, Stipe Miocic against, you know, Anthony Joshua, whatever. I feel like, I, I, I actually feel like you versus one of these guys, like a crossover kickboxing versus boxing match might even be closer and more interesting, especially if promoted the right way and whatnot. Has that ever yeah. been discussed? You trying to fight one of these, you know, boxing champions in boxing? Um, yeah, it's funny. Of course, I've, I've, I've worked a lot with Tyson Fury um, some time ago. And yeah, we definitely discussed it. Like, but it was more as a as, as a fun thing. But yeah, I would definitely be be interested for that. So uh, because back then I knew we were talking about. I was I was helping him doing some kickboxing. Was helping me with boxing. So I was helping him with the kicks. Um, so that was that was fun. That was fun. So that was that, that would definitely interest me. How do you see this fight against Alistair playing out? Um, well, what I like about, um, uh, how Alistair approaches the, the fight game is he, he's very technical and he, he looks for the, the weak spots and yeah, like, like I said, he just, he just approaches like very technically and he comes with a game plan and that's what I love because that's what I do with the, the, the exact way, same way. So I think it's going to be game plan versus game plan. Um, so in, in the beginning, it's going to be a little bit like trying to play around. And I'm just going to like put the pressure on him and show him that we're on a different level. And it's fun that like back in the day, he um, yeah, he did pretty good in kickboxing. But those days, those days are over. It's just my era now. Oh, I love it. I love it. Uh, this is great stuff. Did you watch that Grand Prix when he won back in 2010? Yeah, of course. Of course. I wasn't sure, you know, if you were, uh, I don't know, doing something else, whatever. I mean, that was pretty historic stuff. And then he comes over to MMA. And... My whole life. So I've right. been fighting since I've been six years. So I've been like following the game since, yeah, since almost from birth. So this has to be kind of surreal, no? I mean, Alistair Overeem from your, your same country, fighting him, massive stadium. This is a really big deal. I know you've had these big fights before. But uh, at least here in the States, like he's a bigger name than Badr Hari. Like, I feel like this is the kind of fight that could maybe help cross you over to the States, right? I mean, this is a really big deal. Yeah. 100%. You're, you're right. Because um, that's what we, what, we, what we love to do, especially with Glory now. Um, we just like to expand and do more stuff. And I'm so happy that during COVID, uh, Glory was able to still make it happen and even have people attending. And I think that's amazing because the beginning of the year, I also uh, did a tournament, a four-man tournament, and it was like, um, yeah, no people. It was like quiet. It was like weird, right? Really strange. But yeah, weird. But still, we did it. And now we have uh, in Arnhem, the Gelderdome, and it's going to be, yeah, around uh, 27,000. It's going to be like filled like 70%. So everybody like COVID tested and whatever. So it's, uh, yeah, I think it's amazing that they're doing such a good job. And especially like you said, for here 
uh, Europe and ev- and everything. I'm a I'm a huge star. I'm doing really good. Um, over there in the US, uh, of course, due, uh, because of the UFC, Alison is the is the bigger name. So I think this is a perfect way to just like blend everything together. By the way, before I let you go, what what needs to happen? What has to happen for kickboxing to get at least somewhat more popular in the United States? Why? Like, it's still strange to me. MMA has enjoyed all the success. Boxing, of course, pro wrestling. Like, it's the only one that for some reason doesn't break through. Why? And what has to happen? Um, I think the most important reason is, from my opinion is just the the stand-up level in the US isn't the same as the European level. Um, I think that comes from either boxing and then you just l- learn a little bit of uh, wrestling so you, you you're, it's easier to go to MMA. And if you do a little bit of, if you already do wrestling, for example, in high school, you do a little bit of boxing, you can go to MMA. But kickboxing is like a totally different discipline. And yeah, like I said, it's just, it's a whole different way of approaching the fight game. So, and I think from that, there's just not too many people just putting the hours in to just learn the craft, just learn the craft and just keep beating their craft and getting better at it. So I think that's the, that's the biggest problem. I think the level is getting better because a lot of what you see in UFC, a lot of guys just, they want to see, um, the same with the, with the people with the audience watching is they want to see the stand up uh, game and that's what we do at Glory we're the biggest stand up combat organization there is yeah. so there's non-stop action and that's what you see in the UFC when they're on the ground or grappling too long when you understand what's happening during grappling you like to watch it, like, oh, he's got to watch out for this or that. But if you don't understand it, you just want to see people stand up and just fight. So, and that's what we do with Glory. And that's why I'm surprised it still hasn't at least reached some level of success compared to MMA uh, because people are always clamoring yeah. for just to stand up. 100%. But we just, uh, I think the American audience just want to see American fighters when they fight mm. in kickboxing. The win. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they win when they fight each other or whatever. But when they get European guys, it's a totally different level. And yeah. they get, yeah, they get, they get, they get their asses whooped. And then they think like, it's not, it's not fun if we don't win. Because in the end, we got to be honest, everybody wants his own country when we watch the Olympics or whatever. Everybody wants their own country to win, right? Sure. But, but again, I, and, and I agree with you. I, I think that actually uh, applies to hockey. Like they want to root for Americans, not Europeans and stuff. But like you see Conor McGregor, European. You see guys like Anderson Silva, George St. Pierre, Canadian, Anderson, Brazilian. Like you, there have been non-Americans who have reached a great level of success in America, right? I mean, Kamar Usman. <laughs> but yeah, for some reason in, in kickboxing, I don't know what, what, what's been the issue. Then I think the sport is just too small there yet. It's just, yeah. The sport isn't like exploded. It's like it, because of it, I think it's a it's a thing that goes hand in hand with the the UFC, like just growing up and blowing up with uh, with with Brock Lesnar as the as the American and yeah. a lot of other guys doing really good. And then of course it's growing, it's growing, it's growing. And then we have other guys from different countries coming in, and then they root for everybody. So 
uh, I think it's a combination. I think it's a combination of, of those two things. And yeah, let's just hope that the, the whole kickboxing scene blows up in, in the U.S. as well. And I would love to be there. I, I fought a few times in yeah. I even defend defended my title a few times in the U.S., yeah, in L.A., in New York. So we've been around. But like you said, it isn't as big as here because here we sell out like 30,000 in a crazy arena, 30,000 people, easy. And and for this fight, October 23rd, full capacity? No, 70%. 70%. 70%. All right, well, that's still going to be great. Um, I look forward to yes, it. I can't wait. October 23rd. The legend, Alistair Overeem, against the legend, Rico Verhoeven. The Glory Heavyweight Championship on the line. Glory Collision 3 is the name of the event. Rico, thank you so much for doing this. I really appreciate it. Good luck to you. Can't wait for the fight. Thanks for jumping on. Thank you for your time, Ariel. And always good talking to you. Yes, sir. There he is. The reigning, defending, Glory Heavyweight Champion, the one and only Rico Verhoeven, kind enough to join us. And uh, that's a big time fight. You may not be, and I know this is the MMA hour, you may not be a hardcore kickboxing fan, but I'm assuming if you know this program, especially if you've been watching back in the, uh, the AOL days, I'm assuming you know a thing or two about Alistair Overeem. You've heard of him. You watched him in the UFC. You may have watched him in Strikeforce. You may have watched him in Dream. You may have watched him in Pride. This is a big freaking deal. In 2010, he won the K1 World Grand Prix, and now he's going up against the heavyweight champ. This man is a bad, bad man, Rico Verhoeven. He is the reigning, I don't know how many times he's defended it. It's been a bunch. Retain, 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 retain. I mean, it's one, two, three, four, five. It's like eight, nine times here. I'm looking very quickly. Um, he's a beast. So that's a big time fight, October 23rd. In fact, uh, we have a little promo. Do we have the promo? Let's run it right here. Glory Collision 3. Take a look at this. The newest member of the Glory roster. If it's up to me, I would go for the title. So that's Rico. Alistair, you know, he's been there in the K1 days. But these are the glory days. And I'm the glory king. If I see him in the streets, we fight 100 times. I will miss him up 100 times. Alistair, if you want something, come to glory. Oh, yeah. Look at that. Alistair, if you want something, come to glory. That was fun. Back to breaking some news here on the program. I mean, broke some news last week, too. But, like, some fights, you know, it's fun. Um, so again, tickets go on sale September 14th, Glory Collision 3. Over 27,000 fans are welcome to witness this historic event in person in Arnhem, Netherlands. So what are we doing here? We're, we're breaking some MMA news left and right. The turn of the MMA hour. Number one show in the history of mixed martial arts. We're breaking kickboxing news left and right. Uh, dabbled in the world, you know, made our presence felt in the world of pro wrestling. Sit down interview with WWE President Nick Khan. You can check it out now. It's on the BT Sport YouTube page. So, so you know, doing our thing there. And then, you know, let's go for the, uh, is, what's, what's, what's the next thing after trifecta? I don't know. Well, like, what's the four? The quad, the quadrangle? Well, I don't even know what it is. What's after, the four thing. You know, I know what trifecta is. Um... I don't know what the fourth one is. In any event, uh, point is, let's go to boxing. And this weekend, my friends, is a really big weekend for your old friend, Aria Hawani, because uh, I will be making my Showtime boxing debut. This is a huge opportunity. 
uh, in the works for quite some time. You may have heard the news uh, over, well, it wasn't the weekend, it was before the weekend. I think it came out on Thursday now, if my memory serves me correct. Tyron Woodley, Jake Paul, this Sunday, August 29th, Cleveland, Ohio, Showtime pay-per-view, the fight everyone's been talking about in the world of boxing. You've got Woodley coming over, who's lost his last four in a row, up against Jake Paul, the problem child, 3-0 as a pro, 1-0 as an amateur, coming off that win over Ben Askren back in April. Woodley's boxing debut, pro boxing debut, going to Jake Paul's hometown, the quote-unquote YouTuber who's now all in in the world of boxing, who's... Uh, just signed to Showtime, I'm going to be a part of it. And this this is honestly, like jokes aside now, it's a dream come true to be a part of this. Um, I've always wanted to be a part of the broadcast in this capacity. I'll be working as an analyst for the Tommy Fury versus Anthony Pretty Boy Taylor fight. That's the first fight on the main card. And I'll also be working as a, an analyst, the third man in the booth, for the main event, Jake Paul versus Tyron Woodley. Now, I say third, I might as well say ninth or 10th man in the booth because I'll be next to the legend, the greatest combat sports broadcaster of my lifetime and dare I say of all time, the bipolar rock and roller, my friend, dare I say mentor, my fellow Canadian, Mauro Ranallo. He'll be calling the event. Next to him will be Al Bernstein, boxing, broadcasting, royalty, and then all the way to the corner, I'm just going to stay there. I'm going to try to keep my mouth shut and not get in their way will be me. But on top of that, which excites me just as much, post-fight interviews for all the fights in the ring. Helwani, in the ring. Hey, how was the fight? Da, 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 da. How was the fight? Who you won next? Da, da. Finally, finally, the one thing left on the bucket list. Same night. If that's it, if it's one night only, if it's ECW one night stand, I'll die and go to heaven. I can't wait. And what a cast of characters. And look, I'll just be honest with you. You know me. I was hyped about this before I even got this opportunity. This ain't me shilling. I know there are a bunch of, you know, hater losers online that are going to say, oh, look at how he's shilling, making it all about himself. Jake Paul versus Tyron Woodley is fascinating theater. Fascinating theater. You know why this is fascinating theater to me? Let me put my promoter hat on for a little second here. Jake Paul's first three fights in pro boxing were a referendum on him as a boxer. How good is Jake Paul? How seriously is he taking this? Right? He's fighting the social media guy. He's fighting Nate Robinson. He's fighting Ben Askren. All right. Is he going to smoke these guys like he should? Is he taking it seriously? Is he in shape? Does he have the fundamentals? He's with Shane Mosley. Now he's with BJ Flores. Great guy, by the way. I had a chance to talk with him a couple of weeks ago. Says he's all in. He's living in Puerto Rico. No distractions. Vegas wasn't good. LA wasn't good. Miami wasn't good. We're all in. We're in Puerto Rico. We're taking it seriously. We got the left hand. We got the right hand. We've got the skills. We've got the fundamentals. Those fights were spectacles and did really well because of the story that no one was interested in the Ben Askren fight to see if Ben Askren had a career as a boxer. We knew what that was. No one was interested in the Nate Robinson fight because we knew what that was. The intrigue was the YouTube kid, the Disney kid going over to boxing. 
And I think he's been taking his boxing career a little more seriously than Logan Paul. And I'm not trying to bag on Logan Paul, but let's be honest, you know, the fights, there's kind of a path here and Logan's just doing these big fight. I mean, the Floyd was a big fight, but it's just kind of like, what's the biggest fight that we could get here as opposed to actually building something to 10 fights to who knows how much, building a card. But I'll be honest, what interests me about this fight, about this event, isn't just Jake Paul. Isn't just him going 4-0, coming back home, showtime. This is a referendum on Tyron Woodley's career. That storyline, which won't get the same amount of pub as Jake for obvious reasons, interests me just as much, if not more, than the Jake storyline. This is the chosen one. This is the former UFC welterweight champion. This is a Mount Rushmore UFC welterweight champion. In my opinion, it's GSP, it's Matt Hughes, it's Kamaru Usman, and it's Tyron Woodley. Those are the four. And there have been great names who have held that belt. Pat Militich, Robbie Lawler. There have been great names. Matt Serra. Those are the four. But let's call it like it is. He hasn't won in his last four fights. Now, the first three, Usman, Burns, Covington... Didn't look like himself. Seemed like he was stuck in neutral. Felt like the old tyrant came back against Vicente Luque several months ago, but ultimately lost that fight. Leaves the UFC. 39. New sport. Young guy. Making a bet. Tattoo. There is a lot of pressure on Tyron Woodley. Tyron Woodley loses this fight. It ain't the same as Jake Paul losing this fight. And I know Tyron's the underdog. There is an immense amount of pressure on Woodley. Tyron Woodley, the chosen one, coincidentally, what a nickname, is being sent in by the MMA community. I know they didn't book it, but just stick with me here. They are being sent in to shut up Jake Paul. The problem is Jake Paul is becoming a bit of a baby face in the world of MMA because he's sticking up for the fighters. He's talking about fighter pay. He's giving boxers who are on this card a bigger payday than they've ever received in their career. He's kind of messing with us here. But the point is he's poked his finger at the sport. The MMA fans still don't accept him, still don't like him, wouldn't like it if he came on this show. And so here's Tyron Woodley, who has never been fully accepted by the MMA community, being the guy who can stop the hype train that is Jake Paul. If you don't see beauty in that theater, I don't know what to tell you. There's a beautiful story to be told, and I hope to tell it. I'm telling it right now. Tyron Woodley needs this win on behalf of the MMA community, but on behalf of himself. That's what makes this so much fun. Ben Askren didn't need that win. We knew he was done. He was plucked out of retirement, just had hip surgery. We knew what that was. People said it was fixed. It was never fixed. He just wasn't, I mean, he couldn't go. And it was a smart booking on their part. They're picking the fights. They've got all the power. Tyron Woodley is fighting for his career. Tyron Woodley is trying to get everyone on his side. This is massive for Tyron Woodley. And that's what I love so much about it. This ain't a freak show. Look at the, look at the, the line. Last I checked, it's very close in favor of Jake. He's boxed before. He's done this longer in terms of pure boxing. But do, do the boxing fans know, like, 
Tyron Woodley's no scrub. He's been on the biggest of stages. He fought on the first MSG card, UFC 205 against Wonderboy. Followed that up, fought to a draw. You know, he's had some big fights. Honda Center, <clears throat> Las Vegas, T-Mobile Arena. Name him, he's fought there. And so I can't wait to see how this plays out. And so like I said, a cast of characters is going to be there. Moore Ronaldo, Al Bernstein, myself, the Barstool Sports guys, never met him. Respect, no beef. Dave Portnoy, Big Cat, Phoenix Carnivale, Logan Paul, AJ McKee, Brian Custer. I mean, that is quite the crew, quite the mix of characters. And I'm honored to be a part of it. I'm honored to be a very, 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 very small part of it. One night, that's it. One night only for me. And what an honor to be sitting next to Morrow. I mean, you talk about bucket list to call like with that guy, legend Al Bernstein, to be a part of that scene. And so I go there Thursday morning. I'll actually be doing some sit-down stuff for BT. I'll be doing some stuff for Showtime. Might even do a cool pre-fight thing. More on that later. But this is an exciting time. A little MMA, a little boxing, a little kickboxing, a little pro wrestling. I can't wait. And I love the way they built the card, by the way. Have to say, love the way they built the card. got Tommy Fury on the card. They've done a great job of building it. It's also going to air on BT Sport. Shout out to them, BT Sport box office in the UK. Tommy Fury and Daniel Dubois. Now, obviously the Fury one is of great interest. They've been going back and forth. He's the half brother of Tyson Fury. Great looking guy. He was on Love Island. My sister told me that she knew who he was because he was on Love Island. And uh, I think he finished in second place, ended up uh, linking up with uh, a young woman named Molly over there. And now they're, they're an item. Now, Mia Culpa, I've never watched Love Island before, but I hear it's some sort of UK, and this is not me, you know, I'm not working you right here. I have never watched it before, but I think it's some sort of, it's kind of like The Bachelor, but they're on a, an island, is what I understand. And so he's a very good looking man. Let's just call it like it is. Looks nothing like his half-brother Tyson. Youngster in the world of boxing, less than 10 fights, I believe off the top of my head, I think it's six. And let's be honest, the criticism has been he's fighting guys who aren't at the level of, of his name, right? You know, guys with 0-26 records. But you know what? That's boxing. Like, it's almost unfair to criticize Tommy Fury and Jake Paul for fighting these guys who aren't big names. MMA fans are accustomed to it. It's a totally different model. You're 4-0, you're going to be thrown into the deep end. You're five and zero. You're going to be thrown into the deep end. It's not like that. You get built up, fifteen and zero, sixteen and zero, seventeen and zero. Then you start fighting the bigger names. And so, because Tommy Fury is such a big star, because he comes from a famous family, his father is famous, of course. John Fury, brother Tyson Fury, heavyweight champ. People want to expedite his build, his push. So he's fighting Anthony Taylor. Now, there's a big size advantage here. I'm curious to see how much Anthony Taylor weighs. Anthony Taylor has fought at 145. He's fought at 155. Uh, there could be a massive size difference in this fight, not only as far as the weight is concerned, but as far as the height is concerned as well. But there's a great story there. Anthony Taylor, former uh, Bellator boxer, 0-1 as a pro boxer, Bellator boxer, former Bellator fighter, Bellator MMA fighter, um, 
has trained with Jake Paul. Now, their relationship actually started a little uh, contentiously because he called them out and all this stuff, and they went to spar, but now they're buds. And so they booked Fury Taylor to fight on the same card as Woodley Paul, and it seems like they're trying to book those two if Jake Paul wins, and of course, if Tommy Fury wins. But our next guest is looking to ruin all those plans. And so let us go to the Zoom machine and say hello to the aforementioned, the chosen one, Tyron Woodley, who will be representing the sport of MMA on Sunday in Cleveland, Ohio, as he goes up against Jake Paul on Showtime pay-per-view. T-Wood, my man, how are you? I'm trying a little work exams, you know, before I go out there and knock this dude nugget off his shoulders. Where are we right now? Are we in Cleveland, Tyron? No, I'm in St. Louis, Missouri, I always like to see the kiddos before I go to war. So um, <clears throat> stopped in St. Louis to see the kids. Um, I leave out to Cleveland um, in the next day or so. We get out there and it's, it's lock-in zone is. Okay. Well, uh, I appreciate you doing this on the move. I know you're very busy. People are pulling at you in a million different directions. So thank you for a few minutes of your time. How would you describe this this training camp, Tyron, this experience? Boxing only, no wrestling, no jujitsu, no MMA, strictly boxing for your pro debut, the biggest of fights. How would you describe the experience? For me, I think it's um, it's been a lot of highs and lows in the training camp. And um most of the highs and um, most of the highs were really, really high highs, and most of the lows were basically to get me through to get to the highs. You know, dealing with just like only punching. Um, I threw a couple spinning back fists and, um, during um, during the smart session, so um, you know it was it was some acclimation too. But I got such a dope team and dope camp, and I just can't wait to play the spoiler. Like anytime, like you know, I remember this when I was fighting Warren McDonald, and you were there. I was fighting Roy McDonald in Vancouver. It was his hometown. And um, I was doing all the embeddeds, all the videos, all the promos. I did. All, I had all these crazy sponsors. And I spent so much time and energy around all of the, the sh- wouldn't do any interviews. He wouldn't let anybody into his hotel room. He was locked in and he was focused. And even when the news came that actually this fight is not the number one contendership fight anymore. He still remained focused. That's that reminds me of the younger version of Tyron Woodley with Jake Paul is doing. All the down the road looking at other fighters, all the setting up the theories, the fight on this card, and if and if was about it, and doing all the additional media and all the additional bullshit. I'm just gonna sit there and smile. Cause I did it once. You know what I mean? And I'm wise enough now as an OG to know that I'm representing MMA, but I'm representing the OGs for real. Not the older guys, but the real people that really stand for something. They've really been around the block a couple of times and they got, you know, war rooms approved it. That's what I stand for. And anybody that really fuck with that are going to love this performance. They're going to love these hands going upside his head. And um, I, di- I didn't buy into the bullshit. I didn't buy into the Disney stuff. I didn't buy into the drama or taking on the extra pressure. And he did. He got so much pressure on him. And um, I look to go out there and make an example and make a statement. Okay, this is great. I'm getting goosebumps just listening to you talk here, Tyron. Now, full disclosure, before you coming on, I made the case as to why there may be more pressure on you because of what you've done in your career, because you don't want to lose to the Disney YouTube guy. He's only 3-0. and Why do you feel like there's actually more pressure on him as, as you're trying to go in there at 39 to shut this guy up on behalf of an entire sport? Yeah, 
it's more pressure on him in general because this this started to him as a bucket list. This started to me as survival. Mm. I had to fight. I was walking past a, a Kimlock with with black on. I gotta fight because they're my adversary. I had to. This was my lifestyle before it became a sport and before it became a career. This was a bucket list thing he wanted to try, and his his following allowed him to do so. But this is in my DNA. This is all I know. This is all I've been doing shit since I was a kid. Since I was two years old. I've been fighting my whole life. Um, so at the end of the day, when you when it boils down to everything being constant and even, say he has great trainers. Say he did had a great training camp. Say he ran the same as me. Say he sparred just as hard as I did. Say he, you know what I mean, his boxing coaches have elevated his level just like my coaches did mine. Now know where we left with. He's not ready to go in the trenches where I came from. He's not ready to mentally just know if you stop running, you fall and you slip. Why these 15 people chasing you? You might die today. He's never been through that. So I, I'm drawn from a whole nother pool. I'm drawn for 15 years, 16 years, sorry, of mixed martial art experience. Highs, lows, big plants on your face and big re-ups. You've seen it. World title losses, embarrassing, mm-hmm. knocked out, and come back and go on a crazy run and become one of the greatest welterweights of all time. And I, and I don't feel no pressure. I don't even feel like fight week. I don't have to cut the 35 pounds off of my body. I nearly fucking died every fight. That's why I'm so, I don't give a fuck. Kevin Gaston, all these other people, I didn't give nobody, I gave him a break. But most people, you watch me on the desk, I don't get asses out. I've been cutting, I, I, I started off 196 on Monday, every fight week, going down to 170. Now I'm walking around closer to what I weigh, I'm going to have all the power that I never had. I got all the focus that I needed. I got the rebirth. I'm actually excited. When somebody asks me, are you excited? Yes. And it's real. It's not because that's what I think you want to hear. Are you ready? Yes, I'm ready. And I'm ready for real. So this, this new wave, you know what I mean? Showtime has really made me remember on how they treated me right before I left. You know what I mean? They, they really boosted me up, the rising star. Tyrants are one to look out. It was one of the first rising stars of Strike Force. And it's, it's a whole movie. It's an entire movie, and I'm just, I'm just glad to be a part of it, partaking it. But I'm not only here to participate. I'm here to fucking take over. And you're going to see Jake Paul get hurt in a way you never imagined. He, he may not want to do this again after this. And when you, you think he got goosebumps now, I'm smart too. He's not the only smart one. When you see Champ Camp drop Saturday, when it's too late after the wing-in drop, you're going to see what I've really been doing. What you guys have been seeing has been sprinkles. Oh, it's been salt bays. When you see the destruction and a fucking training and a mentality and the coaching and a running every single day, all different terrains, hills, speeds, adjustments, altitude, it's going to be too late for him to back out of this fight. And we, that's why in the beginning I said I want a no bitch out clause because I knew if he saw how actually how hard I really punch and how how great my mind really is for this sport, any combat sport, my IQ and just the coaches, GT, bless your soul, Pedro, bless your soul, Eric Brown. How can these three guys cohesively work together so well? I let them think I was bouncing around. I just I just walked my daughter to school. For our first day of first grade. I haven't seen him in three months. I've been in Miami the whole time. I let him think I was in L.A., Vegas, Floyd. They was with me. They trained me in Miami. So I was super focused, super locked in, and I had a cast out the hat. And this kid's finna get his cap knocked off. And as a young kid, say no cap.
<laughs> That's right. I, I, I've heard them say that. Now, let he's me ask you, Tyron. This said, is tremendous stuff, by the way. <laughs> I've heard of it. I've heard of it, Tyron. I go. love I'm it. Glad to hey, hear let me ask you. You've, you've, you, you've, uh, you've faced off with him twice now. Once in Florida, once was in, I believe, L.A. Actually, you might have faced off with him the third time in Cleveland as well. Point is, every time you faced off with him, what do you see from this guy, right? He's a different kind of cat. He's, he's brash. He's loud. What do you see when you, when, you, when you look into his eyes? I see a kid that's going to come out, and this is his one chance. It's like, think about this. If you got a chance to go one-on-one with Michael Jordan for all the marbles, right? You turn it up. You, who cares? You can give everything you got that's that's the danger that's all i see i don't see shit else i don't see experience i don't see alpha male he i don't see i don't i'm not gonna say i really saw fear but i, I saw maybe uncertainty that he did he bit off a little bit more than he could shoot because he could have picked the other two you know what i mean and he would have got paid the same money either one but he picked a person that if he loses okay he lost a five-time champion look at his handle Five years ago, I was doing this. And he was doing that. He's already hedging his bet. He's already getting back pocket excuses set. He already ready for it. He already put the rematch clause in it from the genesis. From the top of the top of the fucking announcement, you already want to say if he beat me up, I want a chance to get it back? Who's not confident? I'm excited, man. Uh, you making me excited. Are you going to make him get the tattoo? I, you're making me excited, Tyron. Yeah. I don't know if you heard. I'm going to be a part of the broadcast, Tyron. Me and you in yeah, there after the big win in the ring together. I, I mean, remember, come on. And I remember from the tip top, I said, hey, they better bring the best. You remember that? You know our conversation. Oh, thank you. I do. I do. But look at the alignment, I know, though. You're the man, Tyron. I don't want to make it spiritual. You know what I mean? We got a, a lot of different fans and viewers that from all different backgrounds. But God is aligning not only me, but you as well. The alignment. People, people can try to hold us down all they want. But when you're a son of God and God aligns you, you will fucking go through the top because he needs your light to shine. You can't dim me no more. I'm lit. Like, I'm serious. Like, everything. Musically, I'm on a whole new level. I got some ignorant music, ignorant television shows. My own television show, writer, producer, signed with ABC Studios, written by the creators of Dave. My own. I'm going to be actually wow. executive producing it. Who do? Who does that? Show me another MMA fighter. I'm the first MMA vlog. Don't forget that ever. Champ Campbell's number one. Anything after it is is, is petroleum jelly. I'm Vaseline, right? God created my mind and he created me to do it. You're one of the first real journalists in this sport. Not just somebody that picked up a mic. And I'm not gassing you. I'm, I really mean that. But you study this shit. That's why we Thank talk you. to you differently because we know you understand what this fight means. You understand what's at stake. You understand the pressures. You do your research. You build personal relationships. It's been times I got knocked out. Guess what, Ariel? You had to say, Tyron, when they got knocked the fuck out? You got to report it the way it is. You know what I mean? So this is the time right now where I feel like when they say the first should be last and the last should be first, we up. And I don't think it's going anywhere. I think it's, I think it's the beginning of much and the beginning of many. And this fight right here, I don't care what they, he, whoever had planned, I'm about to go crazy. And every, every, oh I'm about, to, let me give you my tagline. I'm about to go big. And that's going to make a lot more sense to you later. Oh, okay. I'm about to go big. I'm about okay. to go big. My equalizer, every dial about to be cranked up to the max. And I'm not going to let somebody 
tell me that because I started fighting first, I should only punch. No, I'm an artist. And I've always been that way since a kid. I'm a visionary. I've always been that way. And I refuse to sit on my gifts from God. I'm going to turn up in all aspects. This, like I told my coach um, this morning, I was talking, talking to his wife and um, who was at the breakfast table. And I was like, man, she said, how do you feel? I should feel. I said, it's funny you say that because the way I feel is that if I would have had this knowledge, like I ain't never ran this much in my life ever. Oh my God. Like stuff I didn't even think was physically possible for me to do at 25. I said, if I would have had this level of expertise with the striking and everything making sense, if I would have had this level of running, if I would have had this level of, you know, just dedication, I said, it was a time when nobody could beat me. And I said, I imagine if I'd had that then, I would have not been just top five pound for pound. I'd have been the number one pound for pound fighter. I wouldn't have lost a second of a fight. And you know what she told me? It ain't over. That gave me goosebumps. You know what I mean? It ain't over. Mm-hmm. And that, and that's that's something that I, I if, really... Ain't no ifs. We at the no level. When? Okay, when? Wins. When, 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 when you know win, will you make him get that tattoo? No, there's no ifs and there's no thanks anymore. For you okay. or me. You're an expert. You know. Fair enough, fair enough. Fair enough, fair enough. Uh, when you win on Sunday, will you force him to get that tattoo? Um, I'll let, I'll let him negotiate it. If you don't want to get, if, if you don't want to get the tattoo, you have to pay me a nice bag because okay. it was his bag. <laughs> so we can swap it for a bag. Okay. Either you get the tattoo or you get, or you, or you give us some cash donated to my charity. Tyron, I've talked to you on a lot of Mondays before fights and I've talked to you on the Thursday before at media day by Thursday, you can hardly speak. Your voice was so, you know, your throat was so dry Oh. A little grumpy, right? You had the shades on. I don't recall you being this fresh, even looking at your Instagram, rejuvenated, fresh, smiling. When is the last time, if ever, that you have felt this way on the Monday before a big fight? We're going to reconnect. Did we lose him? We might have lost him. All right, we'll reconnect with him there. Uh, when is the last time I want to know? Because I've been talking to this man for a very long time. I've been talking to him, I mean... Strike Force. I remember the Marquardt fight. I remember all of that. And when you talked to him on a Monday, and when you talked to him on a Thursday before a fight, the voice is super dry. He's cutting a ton of weight, a little bit grumpy, got the shades on, not in the mood to interact, not in the mood to, ha- mood to have fun. It's not this guy. And so, of course, the fact that the fight is happening at 190 as opposed to 170 helps. But he seems rejuvenated. He seems in a great, great place. He seems to be happy. He seems to be excited. And look, man, that's a promo right there. That was like Darren Till last week. That's a promo right there. Tyron Woodley bringing the heat. Man, how could you, listen, forget about the, like, when are we going to stop? Putting other fighters, big name fighters, Amanda Serrano on the card, Daniel Dubois on the card. Montana Love on the card. Tommy Fury. I'm just saying, like, this is a fun little card right here. And I think Jake Paul has a lot to do with it. He's bringing excitement to boxing. I can't understand. It's sort of like the CM Punk thing. And, 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 and Paul in boxing, obviously more skills than Punk in MMA, came in way younger than Punk did. But the point is, 
I never hated on Punk coming to the UFC and I didn't hate on the Paul brothers coming to boxing because my feeling is rising tide lifts all boats. My feeling is they're not taking anyone's spot. This event is being built for him. And as a result, spots are being awarded. Spots are being gained. It's not like, and I remember being in the old studio talking about this during the CM Punk stuff. This isn't the NBA, 15 players. This isn't the NFL. No one's spot is being taken. There's not a finite amount of spot. There's no cap. You get what I'm saying? And so no one's spot is being taken. And that's why I, I'm down with all of this. Let's go back to the Zoom machine and say hello to Tyron. We'll keep him for just a couple more minutes. I know he has to go, but I think we got him back here. Hey, Tyron, uh, I, I wanted to ask that question. Weapons was formed against my connection, but it did not prosper. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Hey, by the way, this connection is way better than before. I don't know what changed, but this is much better. So it's good. Rejuvenated. If I was saying rejuvenated, yeah. you on a Monday shades a little bit grumpy you on a thursday you can hardly speak i remember your voice being so dry i felt bad asking you questions when's the last time you felt like this if ever maybe never before a fight in mma i've never felt like this wow um to be honest in the beginning i was younger and i was you know leaner and i, I was working a lot harder when you first start fighting you got to do so much because you don't have the skill set yet and i started at 23 so i had to make it up with wrestling and rah-rah and so I, so I built a skill set. So I was in crazy shape and I was leaner. But once I started to develop the skill set, it became more tactical. And more of my time became on formulating game plans. So then I was heavier. You get older, your metabolism slows, you get heavier. So then I had to cut so much weight. And then I was just, to be honest, I wasn't happy. I was so fucking annoyed. I was so, you know, sometimes I felt disrespected. Sometimes I felt like, why am I even fucking here? So the energy and then, you know, Everybody is not as equipped as you are. Like you even, you acknowledge the fact that from a Monday, you acknowledge the fact that I got the glasses, but I thought I was being slick, which I guess I wasn't. The glasses on how my voice has changed. You do your research, my man. Most people don't. They don't, they didn't have the same microphone next to the same question that they're going to ask me right again. Or they asked me, well, what college did you wrestle in? Mm. Or like stuff like that. And there'd be people from my own city. And at the end of the day, you feel like we have to do this to promote the fight and pump it up and we down for it. But at the end of the day, give us the credit that we're depleting our body, our mind is focused and it's stress and nerves and so many different things. So I was kind of over it. I really loved the part when I used to be like, um, I'm the greatest of all time mm. or Black Lives Matter. Mm -hmm. When I was giving those one worders out, that was the best time ever because I didn't, no matter what I thought in my mind, I just gave them the one phrase and that was it. But now it's like, I feel like this is it's too late. Like, is he going to be the biggest bitch on the industry of female dogs if he backs out of his fight now? So now I can talk, for real. Now I can say what we really was doing. Now I can show you guys. Come Saturday. Make sure you, if you guys are not subscribed to me on YouTube, subscribe Saturday. I'm breaking the internet. I promise you. It's going to be internet break. This camp, this entire camp has been a movie. Like, I can literally make a movie on this one training camp alone. Is there any fear in your mind, any thought in your mind that he is going to back out? It was in the beginning. Really? I mean, I mean, if you try to pull a COVID-19, I'm coming to his hotel and I'm sticking the Q-tip in his nose. I'm going to do it for seven tests. I mean, I want to I see some x-rays. I want to see some ultrasound. I want the doctor to produce the thing to me personally because he don't really know, he don't really understand that 
the force I punch with and the, 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 the certainty of me landing and me seeing it before it happens is something is not a sparring partner in Puerto Rico can display and, and, and mimic and perpetrate. Man. Uh, and, 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 and Tarn, I have to ask, you mentioned something that piqued my interest. It felt, I know you said, you know, oh, when I said the Black Lives Matter, it, it was better that way, but towards the end, and I'm even talking about when you were a champion, it felt like you were not just fighting an opponent, you were fighting the organization, you were fighting the brass, you had a lot on your shoulders. Do you feel like a weight has been lifted just being a part of this process and going into this fight, like you're not fighting everyone and your opponent? I agree with some parts of what you said, okay. but not all parts. Okay, okay. So I want to put that out please, there. Please. But I do feel like it's a weight lifted. You know what I mean, because you never know. Like after I had that conversation I had today, my coach's wife about it, it ain't over. You don't be surprised. You after this fight, you don't know who gonna call me on, on Monday. You know what I mean? So at the end of the day, I'm a I'ma just keep all doors open. But I did feel that one time I was misunderstood, felt like I was under promoted at one point in time. I felt like it was always a conspiracy about what was going on. Some of it was me, though. I got to take, take the ball on it. Sometimes it was me. All times it was not me. Um, but, but it only takes one or two times of feeling like, you know, a word was broken to you for your, your trust not to be there. And um, for me, I'm from St. Louis. Respect and trust is everything. We live and die by it, literally. Not even just saying it to sound tough. Respect and trust, we live and we die by it. So um, at the end of the day, I feel like right now, like, I mean, I text Dana for his birthday. Happy birthday. You know what I mean? I don't have no smoke with nobody. Uh, I'm about to make a bag. I'm about to beat somebody's ass. And I'm about to change my kid's life. Okay, what's the prediction, Tyron? Let's let's leave. And by the way. I'm knocking them out. Knocking. That's it. How quick? That's how it. quick? They don't even, we don't need to know how rounds. Okay. I don't even care how quick. Because I can. Like, my last time sparring in the eighth round, I was throwing the most craziest counter combinations with, with first round power. So it don't matter what round. It's cool for you guys. If y'all want me to say first round, because I sound <laughs> cool if it happens. Okay, first round, mystic with me. <laughs> but it doesn't, I'm patient. I'm not gonna rush it. I'm gonna I'm gonna take my time, but I'm gonna be trying the entire fight to knock him out. And and just it's not it's not gonna be one moment I'm not trying to knock him out. And just so I'm clear, he has the rematch clause you said, but if that is not exercise, like you're you're a free man after this. You could do whatever you want. Yeah. Wow. Uh-huh. Wow. Business is picking yeah. up for Tyron. We're going to go. I told you you were going crazy. <laughs> Equalizers up. Go big. Tyron, <laughs> I look forward to seeing you out there. Cleveland, Ohio, this Sunday, August 29th, Showtime pay-per-view. What a fight. I get goosebumps just talking to this man. Been through Come so on, much. Let's do it. Let's go. Good luck to you. I'll see you out there. Thank you. All right, my man. Right. Appreciate there it. he is, the chosen one. And what a nickname, right? What a nickname. I want to know. I mean, dare I ask the YouTube comments, have your thoughts on the fight changed after listening to Tyron? Because longtime fans of this show will know, longtime fans of this show will know that Tyron on a Monday isn't Tyron two months out. Let's see what the odds are here. Longtime fans of this show we'll know that Tyron on a Monday is in Tyron two months out. And what I mean by that is a lot more relaxed, you know, can speak and all that stuff. Um, let me find boxing. Minus 175 plus 145. Minus 175 for Jake Paul. Have your thoughts on the fight, and I know, you know, listen, there's there's bravado, there's there's showmanship, there's confidence, there's 
all that stuff. But I want to know if your thoughts on the fight changed as a result of what you just heard from Tyron Woodley. This is fun stuff. We are living in a very, very fun time for combat sports between what is going on in boxing. Manny Pacquiao just fought, by the way, unfortunately suffered a loss. But, you know, you got these fights, the Paul fights. You got some wacky stuff going on with, you know, uh, Vitor Belfort going over against Oscar De La Hoya, of all people. Anderson Silva enjoying this renaissance. All this, you know, Tyson Fury coming up, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, Of course, you've got MMA doing its thing. UFC on ESPN, which is massive for the sport. PFL, by the way, returning on ESPN. Kayla Harrison with the incredible win and the fantastic promo on Thursday. Uh, one fight away from becoming one of the hottest free agents in MMA. Brennan Lochnane fighting this weekend, actually this Thursday, I should say, to be specific, August the 27th. That would be a Friday, excuse me, August 27th. Uh, Invicta back, UFC back, pro wrestling and AEW. And, I mean, like, what a time. If you are Alistair Overeem and Rico Verhoeven, when has... Combat sports been this fun. It's been a while. I love everything about it. And I'm honored. I'm so happy that I'm on that. Like, I'll just say there was once a time where maybe I couldn't have Tyron Woodley on a Monday before a Jake Paul fight on another show. And so I am happy that I have this freedom. I have I'm happy that I have this independence. I'm happy that I could take part in this fight. You know, there was some talk of uh, working the Jake Paul Ben Askren fight did not come to fruition for me, but now that I'm able to take uh, opportunities like this, it's very exciting for me. And so that's this Sunday, and I'm looking for. I mean, Amanda Serrano, in my opinion, number three pound for pound female boxer behind Clarissa Shields and um, the great Katie Taylor. Would love to see Katie Taylor fight Amanda Serrano, the Tommy Fury stuff, Anthony Taylor who I will talk to later on this week from Bellator. Daniel Dubois, who everyone said was a a bum for taking a knee after his eye socket was busted. I mean, there's some good time stuff coming this weekend. Saturday, though, UFC is back. Edson Barbosa against Giga Chikadze. One of the interesting fights on that card is the return of our old friend, the Motown phenom, Kevin Lee. Edson Barbosa versus Giga Chikadze. There's the tough finals, the middleweight finals and the bantamweight finals. Mia Culpa, I have not watched. I'll be honest. Mia Culpa. I've been told great fights. There's just so much going on. The tape fights. I I am a little bit disappointed that we got back to tough and made it the exact same. The exact same. Same jersey, same format. I mean, am I really to believe that Brian Ortega and Alexander Volkanovsky are like, you know, repossessing cars? I mean, are we really to believe that they're doing this on the, like, even that has lost its luster. In the past, you know, the, the, the hijinks, the pranks felt authentic. Am I really to believe that they changed all the tires, that they brought snakes in there by themselves? I mean, come on. We need to go back to something a little bit fresh, different. I didn't think there was a need. Of course, there's 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 great value, more content, contender series returning, so it coincides. But golly, the fact that this is a tough finale and it's not even a tough finale. Who knows that it was a tough finale other than the hardest of the hardcore? Like even that tells you that 
it's not exactly top of mind. Anyway, one of the interesting fights on the card is Kevin Lee versus Daniel Rodriguez. Gerald Mearshard on the card. Sam Alvey. Former glory fighter, Dustin Jacoby. Who's a contender series product. But I'm looking forward to talking to Kevin Lee, who we have not seen in quite some time. He's fighting Daniel Rodriguez, as I said. Last time we saw him was against Charles Oliveira last March. Remember how weird that scene was in Brazil? Empty arena. The very, very, very early stages of the coronavirus pandemic. He was supposed to return in early August against Sean Brady. Unfortunately, he got injured. And then I guess Sean Brady got injured. And now it's Kevin Lee versus Daniel Rodriguez. Fascinating fight. Can't wait to see Kevin Lee back. Always love talking to Kevin Lee, the Motown phenom. And so let's go to the Zoom machine now and say hello to our final guest of the day, the one and only, the aforementioned Kevin Lee. There he is. Kevin, my man. How are you? What's up, Ariel? Long Uh, time no see, huh? Long time no see. Thank you for doing this, my man. How are the ribs? They're, They're good. They healed up. Um, you know, I've been kicked in them a lot, been punched in them a lot. Uh, so they they are handling everything. My body's right. What happened? How did you injure them? Um, I, I took a shot to the ribs, and really, it was because uh, I came back off those two knee surgeries, and my body just wasn't used to that level of sparring. I, I jumped back into a full training camp to to get ready for a fight. Um, I think a lot of people overlook, and I'm, I'm doing something uh, that not many people have done. I don't think anybody's come back off of 12 months of uh, double knee surgery. So the rest of my body had to catch up with all the work that I've been doing on my legs. I heard you saying, correct me if I'm wrong, that mentally the rib injuries or injury, excuse me, tougher to yeah. deal with than the knee injuries because you felt like you were so yeah. close and then it was a setback. Even though it was a minor setback, because of the pain and because you felt like you were close, it was tough on 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 the mind. Is that accurate? Yeah, because it was it was uh, uh, the rest of my body. You know, I spent so much time just dealing with the legs and getting my legs strong, and it soon felt like they were in the right place. Uh, something else went wrong somewhere else. So that that made me like it made me second guess some things that I was doing. But now that I've now that I've healed from that too, I just realized that that. I had spent that long without sparring, without getting hit. Uh, it took a while for my body to uh, to to reabsorb that shot. So now that I'm able to do that, like I, I realize what it's for. It's, it's all good. And now, why aren't you fighting Sean Brady? Uh, I guess he had a staph infection on his foot, and you know that's they sent me pictures of it, and uh, that's not something you really want to play with. You know, he yeah. he almost lost his foot, so. Yeah. Um, I didn't take no shots at him or, or, or nothing like that. You know, it was disappointing that we didn't get to fight, um, especially after getting ready for the guy for so long. And I felt like he was a good challenge. But, you know, you, you don't want to mess around with staff or, or any, of the, any of these infections and having to go to the hospital. No way. But when the news came out that he was out, I saw you hitting people up. You gave him the old, like, you yes. up, you know, like you were hitting up some big names. But it didn't seem like anyone was taking the bait. Were you disappointed yeah. when you got... Daniel Rodriguez, because no disrespect, great fighter, but not exactly at the name level right now as some of the guys you were hitting up publicly. Yeah, I mean, a little bit at first, you know, because I had never really heard of the dude either. You know, I, I had seen a picture of him, and I remember the big old, the big old uh, uh, 1986 across his chest and all that. But I, I really... I was a little disappointed at first, but there's two things. One, I'm the one that's the, that's the name on the card. 
you know, I, I would have made Sean Brady's name and, and I feel like I'm, I'm going to make uh, Rodriguez's name. So the, the name part didn't really bother me. I just wanted a good fight. But it, I felt better about the fight once people actually start calling me about it. Um, and a lot of people that I know in the street that had heard of this dude before um, from all his time in prison and all the, the different street fights and, and stuff like that that he's had. Um, I put a lot of uh, I put a lot of respect on that. I feel like people kind of overlook that a little bit, but I, I, I respect 200 street fights just as much as I would respect 200 amateur boxing matches. Um, I feel like those are even closer than, than MMA fights. So I feel like he's got a lot of experience and he's going to put up a good fight. How do you feel? You know, you got the tough guys above you. You know, Barbosa and Giga are tremendous fighters, but maybe not as well known as you are. Barbosa has been around Giga. You're, you're, you're lower than those guys. Does that bother you? No, not at all. Um, I, I wanted to come back and do a three-round fight. And honestly, th this should have been the place that I did before I did that that uh, that Oliveira fight. You know, if, if you remember right, like, after I fought and, and beat uh, Gillespie, I told Joe Rogan, I was like, I, I don't want a championship fight yet. Like, I don't want a main event. I don't want to do all this. And then two months later, I end up fighting the world champion in, in a main event and kind of rushed myself. So I, I feel like, now is the right time that I, I, I take my time. And people have seen me around the UFC for a long time, but I've never really put together a true championship run. And uh, th this is going to be the, the start of that. This is going to be the start of a, of a real championship run. And with a three-round fight, that, that, that sounds good to me. I'm not here for the, the clout and the fame and, and all that other shit. Um, that's just going to come. Now, what about the weight cut? How do we feel about that? It's been a while. Yeah, it's smooth. It's smooth. It's way better going up to 170. And now that I've uh, actually, like, made the commitment to do it, and I, I've taken one fight at 170 before, but even during that fight, I was like, oh, I'm going to go back down. And, you know, I, I, I didn't fully commit to it. So I feel like now that I am, uh, the weight cut is good, and I feel like I'm going to surprise a lot of people about how big and, and strong I'm going to be in there. Are you fighting at 170 because you feel like now's the time to fight at 170, or is it essentially, and I don't blame you, easier to go down to 170 because you haven't cut weight in what, uh, March? What are we talking, like 17 months, 16 months? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's a mixture of all those things, you know. Um, did a lot of weight training to, to come back off the injuries. So I've continued the weight training through camp and, and through, this, uh, through this fight. Um, so naturally, I, I've gotten a little bit bigger. Um, the 170-pound division, I feel like, is wide open. Even though it's got, like, the pound-for-pound pound champ sitting at the top, it's, it's kind of wide open, and I feel like you need a real challenger. So it seemed like timing and everything just works right for me to, to go ahead and take over this division. Um, I feel like I'm already top five. So th this is going to be one of them fights to, to show a level of difference that I got. You feel like you're top five 170 already? Yeah, for sure. I love it. I love it. For sure. Now, I look, I look at these guys. I look at skill for skill. And like I said, I've, I've been shying away from media and all this stuff for like the last year almost. And I've been watching this whole time, and I see nobody around here. I see nobody that's, that can bring what I bring to the table. I see nobody that got the skills that I got and uh, can do everything in a complete package. I don't see none of them. So, yeah, it's me. Kamar Usman. Yeah, he, he's a great champ. He's a great champ. I, I give it to him. Um, but I don't he's really been challenged yet by anybody. And uh, I'm here to, to give him that challenge. Colby Covington. Leon Edwards. Leon not really up there. Um, Kobe's going to put up a good fight. Um, 
Leon would make a good fight, but but what was he's gonna have to he he don't bring a complete package, you know. He, he might have some decent fighting skills, um, but it takes more than that in this game. I feel like Gilbert Burns, Jorge Masvidal, Wonderboy Thompson. There's some big names there. Some big names. There's some yeah. Some, there's some decent names, but they still don't do shit. I mean, really, all the names that you name, do any of them really do shit? No. Those thirties. Um, you you know it. They don't do shit. So we'll see. Are we done at one fifty five? Are those days over? Yeah, I, I think so. The only fight that I would come back for is uh, the Oliver rematch. I feel like I deserve that fight. Um, that would have been a good one to have. So. If he if he racks up a couple more and and we'll we'll see how that plays out and uh, yeah if they offer me that fight I'll, I'll go back down to fight Oliveira but nobody else though. So obvious, I mean that makes sense. He's the champion. I thought you were gonna say the Islam fight. Nah, nah. I mean Islam is Islam's. You know he's had a decent little come up, but nah. Why? It's, nah. You don't think that's I, a big time fight? I, I I don't go down. You know I ch- I chase up. Right. I chase I chase uh, ahead of me. I'm not. I'm not looking behind me chasing these dudes. I'm, I'm chasing ahead of me. So um, he don't bring nothing to the table that I would sacrifice all that for. You know, here's the thing. I don't feel and like it's great to talk to you again, and I'm I'm, I'm so psyched that you're coming back um, this Saturday, Daniel Rodriguez. It's big, but I really don't feel, and I don't even know how to quantify this, that you get the respect that you deserve. Because you were calling out Habib and Islam before everyone. Now they're the boogeyman. Of course, Habib not fighting anymore. But you were calling them out before yeah. they even had names. So it's like the worst call out possible because they're just the toughest guy who no one knows. And you were calling them out. I mean, like that's almost where like our little thing started between us. Like you were calling them yeah. out. I was like, oh man, this doesn't make any sense. And and I feel like pe- enough people don't talk about that. And I'm not just trying to shine your boots here. You were calling out Habib long before he was champ, and then you started calling out Islam, yeah. and the fights never happened. And that to me is a travesty. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a it is a little disappointing, you know. Some, sometimes I, I say a little too much, and I feel like they they got a good manager, you know. At least a smart man. He, he so he seen me around a lot, and he did his best to to they they did their best to keep him on the right path. So it's it is a little disappointing that that fight never happened with me and Khabib. Uh, if he never if he doesn't come back. But um, I see the man's out there playing soccer, so who knows? Maybe I might pick up a soccer ball or something, pick something around, and uh, we can have a little one-on-one match one of these days. Who knows? You're like uh, you're, you're you're trying to like track him down wherever, whenever, on any playing field. Yeah, I'm a fucking bug, man. I'm a fucking bug. Once I got my eyes on you, I'm I'm on you. I'm on you, and nothing that happens can can deter it. Um, that that's just a guy I want to test myself against. And um, you know, yeah, the, he he's a great champion, and all that. But people even now are starting to see that. He didn't really have the challenges that that he should have had, you know, to to really be an all time great. You know, he never really fought a great wrestler, and that, that was something that I was seeing the whole time coming up. Um, and and I feel like now you you starting to see now that he's getting a little more vocal, and people are sitting back and really looking at the whole career. They they really seen it for what it is, and not just uh, all this hype and all these Russian bots that that kind of get behind him. <laughs> I, I I would love. I don't want to see you ever fight at one seventy. Excuse me, at one fifty five again. Like I, I, it's just too much. I don't want to see you kill yourself on the way down there. But you versus Islam would be tremendous stuff. I don't know if you would come up. I just think that that would be a great matchup. I would love to see it. Yeah, me me versus Daniel Rodriguez is going to be a great one. That is me great. versus Kamara Usman is going to be a great one. Me versus Masvidal is going to be a great one. 
Um, Masvidal's been barking at me for, for you know, he's, he's been doing them little sneak dishes and, and all this shit for years oh. and trying to bite the style. So um, th- those are great fights. Me versus Colby is a great fight. Um, there, there's a lot of great fights out here. Can I ask how much do you weigh on Monday? Uh, I'm, I'm 183 right now. Wow. And what would you weigh yeah, on the sure. Monday before a 155 fight? Probably 178, 179. So, so not I, that I, much. I've, yeah, I've, I've left on a couple pounds. I've left on about three or four pounds. Um, but it's a whole lot easier looking at, a, at an 11-pound cut versus uh, a 25-pound cut, yeah, for sure. that is cool. Which was the worst? The worst cut that I've had? Which um, fight? I would say the the Ferguson fight um, was probably the worst cut. Uh, But even that last fight um, against Oliveira, the the one that I actually missed weight, uh, that that one was pretty brutal too. That was a a, a vicious cut. Was there ever one that you thought that you were like in serious health trouble? Yeah, that that was the Ferguson fight. Um, The Ferguson one, I I felt like I was close to death for sure. If if I would have had to pull off an extra half a pound, um. Yeah, I would probably have to go to the hospital. Damn. And well, like, what was your what, what does that feel like? Like you're just frail. You're you're convulsed. Like what do you like? You're getting cramps. Could you even describe what that feels like? Uh, like the biggest adrenaline rush that that you can possibly feel. Um, yeah, it's your body trying to keep itself alive, which uh, compared to regular fighting, ain't really shit. Yeah. Um. And your body is constantly like trying to maintain that that homeostasis, right? Yeah. It's constantly like trying to keep you keep you stable. So um that that was a yeah, that one was tough. I mean the the Oliveira fight that 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 had a tough weight cut too. And you know, it, it was one of the big reasons why I'm not going down anymore. By the way, are you surprised that he became champ? No, I'm no, I'm not surprised at all. Um I said it in a post fight interview. Um, you know, I I kind of, I kind of, kind of gave it to him, you know. I kind of, I kind of made the man. <laughs> um, he, 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 he bossed up after that fight, you know. He, he grew, he grew a lot after that fight. Um, yeah, I feel like I, I, I kind of gave it to him. Kind of, kind of made him for what it is, and, and I, and I underestimated him before the fight. Mm. You know, I didn't want a championship level fight, and I took his thinking that he wasn't that, and uh, I made him that. So I'm not, I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised one bit. I, I knew it ten minutes after the fight. I knew he was the champ. Do you think he beats Poirier if they fight? Yeah, I think so. I think Poirier gives him the toughest fight mm-hmm. um, out of all those guys down there. He, he, it'll definitely be a tough fight, but uh, I just think he has too many ways to win, and, and he's uh, he's real aggressive on the feet too, uh, which is something you overlooked. And yeah, I think he beats him. By the way, uh, your brother just fought, right? Yeah. Don't want to speak on that too much, okay. to be honest with you. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. I just was wondering if you were there. No, no, no. I stay here in Vegas. Okay. Yeah, me enough. and my brother, you know, our own people. Gotcha. Fair okay. enough. Fair enough. Um, and so you're back, and this is it's crazy that you're you're you've never fought in the pandemic, even though you were like the first fight of the pandemic. You're fighting at the apex for yeah. you. Do you like this? Or would you wish the big return was like, you know, pay-per-view card, sold out crowd, there's gonna be like 50 people in there it's pretty quiet how do you uh how do you feel about it returning under these circumstances or you returning under these circumstances yeah i mean the the first fight with me and sean brady was supposed to be on that uh yeah dustin and and, and connor card so it was the first fight back with a with a crowd um 
I, I would have – that's why I pushed so hard to still try and stay in that fight even after the injury. But I, I feel like it's not going to make a difference. You know, I feel like it's, it's another test for sure. It adds a little bit more pressure to the fight. Um, but it's, it's going to be a whole lot better than that fight with Oliveira, that's for sure. Um, there were maybe like six people in the arena at that time. Yeah. So 50 versus six, I'm, I'm not mad at that. You know, the, the boss will sit right there. Um, I can hear my corner. We'll, we'll, you know, I still have something to put on for, for sure. um, versus that last fight for sure. Who is the corner this time? Same guys? Uh, we, we got we got Faraz Ahabi, um, Dewey Cooper, who's always in my corner, and uh, Eddie Barocco is the, is the other one. Somebody I've been working with for years down here. So did you, I'm a, correct me if I'm wrong, did you go to Montreal this time? No, no, I've been in Vegas this whole time. So, uh, so why know, Montreal Faraz? just opened, Montreal just opened up last week. Yeah. Um, and for, for me to travel there. But it's it's been a great camp here here in Vegas. You know, I've lived here in Vegas for a long time, so it's been a great camp. Having to, being able to use the PI after coming off this this surgery, um, I'm still getting my my physical therapy every day, and I'm using Faraz because we you know we've been uh, video chatting. He's still coming up with the game plan. Um, he still watches all my rounds and and, and critiques them, and uh, that's really what me and him do anyway. You know, he he's the mind behind it. Um, it's it, it's a little worse not being up close and personal. Obviously, you always want to be there, but um, it, it, we won't miss a beat when it comes down to fight night. Okay. By the way, uh, I, I I know what you're talking about with Montreal. I'm from Montreal, and it was uh, mm. closed. It was tough. I couldn't see my family, but I was just there, and I posted a picture of uh, the world famous orange julep, and I saw you commented on it. Have you tried their julep? Have you tried the drink? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know the spot. I know the spot it's, that you was. Uh, it's right across the street from TriStar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's how I know it. And uh, Tesla's right next to it. That's yeah. Yes. I spent a lot of lot of time at that. Uh, the little best bagels in the world. Yes, right yes, there. Yes. Best bagel. Thank that, you for saying that. And that's one of the best uh, little pre workout uh, snacks. Actually, you you might have just gave me a good idea right now. <laughs> Probably have me a bagel. Okay, good. I'm happy. Um, well, this is very exciting. You're back. You're at 170. You're healthy. The ribs are good. The knee is good. Do you feel a little more nervous, a little more anxious because it's been so long? Like, you you know, this is kind of a rebirth, if you will, a new chapter, like a little more butterflies. I know the fight is still, what, five days away, yeah. but the Monday, does it feel any different this time because you're so close to finally coming back? Yeah, I'm, I'm not going to lie. It does. Um, just because I've thought about it for so long and once it actually becomes reality, um, you know, I, I feel very dialed into it. I, I feel like I have a... a an abnormal amount of tunnel vision, but that's going to translate into a great fight. Like I'm really like, I, I've got a, a year's worth of blood that I got to spill out there. So, um, yeah, I'm, it's, it's translating to be in, into a really good fight for sure. I'm a little more nervous. I ain't gonna lie, but the nerves are, are good. You know, you, you know how to control them. And, uh, I just got to remind myself of who I am and, and that I really am the best in the world. Uh, even if I don't want to be that, I am that. So I'm going to be that. You've been there before, and I think this is the first time that we're fighting with the head tattoo, right? You didn't have it. Yeah, oh, yeah. What do we yeah, do? a lot of people even noticing me off, off the head tattoo, and they didn't even see me fighting again. Oh, wow. So, um, what do we yeah, got? What are we going to do? We're going to gonna shave it, right? We're going to make it, like, a, you know, for the world to see. You're going to put it on display, yeah? Yeah, I mean, I, as you can see, you, you don't see it on a normal day. Right, you know? right. you got to shave uh, that. It's covered by the hair. So, yeah, we'll make a, we'll make a, we'll make a reveal. Oh, man. 
This is exciting. Did you like how I did the spin there? I mean, the that was nice. That was nice, dog. That was nice. That was nice. Uh, I see Appreciate that. Bo- that. I see that Boohoo man everywhere now. They they uh, sponsoring you too? Yeah, yeah. They're working with me. Okay. Um, first company I ever really uh, signed with and worked with. So I'm 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 behind them for sure. Yeah, I see them. Yeah, uh, got some shit. with Jake Paul. Uh, he just announced something. John Jones. By the way, who do you got? Woodley mm-hmm. or Jake Paul? Uh, you'll put me on the spot like that, huh? I mean, come on. I, I gotta, I gotta say Woodley. I gotta say Woodley. You know, that's that's my boy. I know him personally. Um, I don't like a boxing fight, but you know, I gotta say Woodley. I mean, the the experience is just gonna be way too much for him. So I gotta say Woodley. You like Jake Paul? Like, do you like what he's doing, or do you, do you, are you annoyed by him? He, you know, he's a polarizing guy. It don't bother me not one bit. You know, I don't really. I don't really see it. I don't really see the appeal, but I get why uh, Mark's kind of like, you know, they, they attach themselves to it because he, he's the only guy to, to really put himself out there. And I feel like the people who do have a problem with him, like you fucking do it then. It's not that hard to do. It's really not that hard to do what he did. I mean, you know, it's, it's not that hard to, to kind of win over a lot of people on social media and do all that shit. You can do it if you want to. That's not really what I want to do. So I don't, I'm not mad at him for it. I'm not mad at him or anybody else who support him. Um, you know, he's making a lot of money. I, shit, more, more luck to you, bro. More luck to you. I mean, stay out of my way. But if you're in your own lane, that's cool. I like how you said uh, the word marks there. That's a pro wrestling term. Like the fanboys, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, the fanboys didn't even get it. And you just let them in on it. Oh. We got to... We need to keep some uh, insider good, information. Wait, here. you're a big pro wrestling but, uh, guy, Kevin? I'm not, but that's just a good word. You just know, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just a good word for them, you know. It's just it's just what they are, you know. You you you. Some people are marks, some people ain't. So uh, most of them are. I love it. And then you got the smart marks, and then you got the smarks. I mean, there's a whole different, you know terminology over there oh, but you're teaching me some shit now yeah, I yeah, know yeah. Smart, right? yeah the smarks are kind of like the guys who are like are sort of fans but they kind of know what's going on behind the scenes and then you got the smart marks like the internet guys i mean it's a crazy crazy world but we don't need to get into all of that i'm excited to see you back welcome back kevin thank you for joining us good luck on saturday and uh enjoy fight week enjoy enjoy everything that comes with it because you don't have to cut the 155 or 156 this time so i'm sure it'll be a little more enjoyable that part raise my water to that yes amen appreciate you talk to you after the fight yes sir i look forward to that there he is the motown phenom himself finally back remember that fight against charles Oliveira? it was like what was it march i think it was march 14th march 14th if memory serves me correct of 2020 and uh that was weird march 7th was israel adesonia <clears throat> Israel Adesonia against Yoel Romero, Zhang Weili against Yuanian Jacek. That was March 7th in Vegas. Coincidentally, last time I was in Vegas, Mark Matson fought on that card. Shout out to Mark Matson. Great win this past Saturday as well. Um, Denmark's own. Very emotional after he's been through a lot. His family's been through a lot, a lot of injuries and everything like that. March 14th, that was full crowd. March 14th, empty arena, if you recall. And it was very weird. It was a Saturday afternoon debate should it go on should it not go on everything else had shut down that was the last time we saw this guy and he fought charles Oliveira, who is now of course the ufc lightweight champion and so it has been a long time now he returns as a 170 pounder and uh, it's one of many big fight cards this week coming up 
Like I said, PFL Friday, one championship Friday, Invicta returning on Friday. Well, three events on Friday. LFA Friday, four events, UFC, and that is Saturday. And then, of course, the big one, Tyron Woodley. Just spoke to him against Jake Paul. Now, usually around this time, I'm like, hey, enjoy the fights. Now we're back on Wednesday. We're back on Wednesday. Who's loving this? I'm loving it. Now, this is what I want all of you to do. You continue to rate. You continue to download. You continue to watch. Subscribe to the MMA Fighting YouTube channel. Thank you. But also on Spotify, click the follow, click the download. On Apple, click the sub, click the download. Rate, comment, all these things. Let's show these people the power of the nose world order. Let's show these people who are trying to silence us that we are the voice of the voiceless, that we will not be silenced, that we will not be held down. And yes, that was paying homage to CM Punk who returned on Friday at AEW, the voice of the voiceless, the best in the world returning. Yes, of course, we shall pay homage, but we are the same. And I felt like he was actually talking to me when he cut that promo in the ring in Chicago about loving life again, about loving what you are doing again, about feeling alive, about feeling reinvigorated. I felt like he was talking to me because I haven't felt this way in a long time with all these exciting things, but I always come home. This is home. I always come back to this desk. I always come back to this chair. Sorry, did I knock something down? No, I didn't. Um, This feels like my house. Got a nice carpet here. I don't know if you can see it. Got my nice pictures here. I mean, look at this stuff this feels like home. So thank you very much to uh, to all of you for the support. I feel like I have to keep saying thank you. It was a great first week, kicking off the second week the right way. And we'll be back on Wednesday to do it all over again with a new set of guests. For now, though, Frank, my man, you can hit my music. What a fun day. A very eclectic mix of guests. I love these days when it's an eclectic mix of guests, of personalities, break a little news, get a few things off our chest, recap the week that was, Kayla Harrison with the big win, Czech Congo with the big win, Jared Cannonier with the big win, and Roman Reigns, the, the, the head of the table, the tribal chief with the big win. All right, all right, calm down, everyone. Don't get your knickers in a bunch. Calm the heck down all right thank you very much to all our guests thank you very much to the team in the back appreciate them very very much more than they know and thank you very much to all of you thank you to uh mr jared cannonier big win congratulations thank you to gable steveson what a story and don't call him stevenson it's steveson what a promo he cut on brock lesnar's hair i didn't expect that Thank you very much to Alistair Overeem, and good luck to him on October 23rd. And how about the glory heavyweight champion, Rico Verhoeven, showing up as well. Thank you very much to him. Thank you very much to Tyron Woodley. Can't wait. Six days away, the chosen one against the problem child for all the marbles on Showtime pay-per-view. Can't wait for that. And, of course, thank you very much to Kevin Levy, Motown phenom. Good luck to him this Saturday against Daniel Rodriguez on ESPN+. Plus. Back on Wednesday, same time and place. Until then, I say peace. I'm out of here.